You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. But before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So starting off, someone who hasn't been with us for a while, but that's because she's had a life development, and that is my friend Jess. How are you doing, Jess? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. So Jess, what's been going on for you? Well, we had a baby about four months ago. <laughs> so yeah, things around here are a, a little crazy. Uh, she's not, she was having a screaming fit about 30 minutes ago. So I'm hoping mm. to make it through this recording. <laughs> that, yeah, that would be a good thing. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So yeah, but that's, that's the big, that's the big news. So we're very excited, but I'm very sleep deprived. <laughs> oh, I've been there. So I understand. Yeah. But, uh, but no, it's good to have you back with us. Uh, anything else going on? I, mean, I know that you're just kind of like, you know, coming, you know, back to a lot of the geeky stuff, but, you know, are you podcasting again? Anything like that? I am. Yeah. So our podcast uh, is on a hiatus at the time of this recording, but we'll probably either be back or maybe our seasons will be finished. I'm not sure when this one's getting pushed out. Um, but yeah, uh, we're doing Tomorrow's Legends again. So we're covering Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Superman and Lois, and um, Stargirl. So Superman and Lois and Legends of Tomorrow will be back in January. And then Stargirl just wrapped its season. Uh, my co-host covered that while I was off having a baby. So so that's the big news on the podcasting front for us. <laughs> All right. Well, cool deal. And it is good to have you back on this show as well, Jess. It's good to be here. All right. And next up. He is our station director, and it is always good to have him on this show. And that is Mike Faber. How are you doing, Mike? Nathan, thanks for having me back. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah. And happy holidays to everybody, of course. Right. You know, Although this though, is going to come out after the holidays. So. Oh, I'm sure this will come out way after the holidays. <laughs> so hopefully 2022 is doing wonderful for anyone. <laughs> or knowing Nathan, sometimes 2023. No, you know, so. not for this one. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it should be a ton of fun to talk about Spider-Man. And we actually had a great time talking about it over on Earth Station One a couple weeks back, and everyone just loved it. And it's going to be very interesting to hear from a new crowd what everyone thought and everything. And I actually went to go see it again yesterday. So it's wanted to refresh myself a little bit on this, just to make sure I missed anything. All right. Yeah, no, I mean... It's definitely a movie that's uh, got a lot going on. There's a lot of Easter eggs and stuff. So uh, oh, God, I can yeah. definitely understand exactly. that. Yeah. And even seeing it the second time, people still got up before the credits were you know, <laughs> over. It's like, why? Why do these people do this? Yeah, we had half the theater walk out like when the credits started. And then after the mid credit scene, another half of what was left over left. So it was very, very few people left 
in the theater to watch the trailer at the end of the movie. So yeah, I was I was kind of surprised. And it was just amazing to, you know, laugh my butt off, you know, knowing that these people are like, what? There was a Doctor Strange trailer at the end? I didn't know that. So it's, yeah. just, it's always cool to do that. But thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, and it's good to have you back on the show, Mike. Thanks, dude. All right. And next up, she is uh she is a <laughs> every time i think of something to say about you angie i'm like oh yeah you told me like not to say that anymore so and she's our angel of audio and that is angie how are you doing <laughs> i'm doing well thank you for having me back <laughs> um no, no no problem no problem love having you back so uh what's been going on for you um, not a whole lot. We're just kind of in in transition still um, with the cross country move. So everything's just kind of marking time until that happens. Um, but there's been so many adaptations that have come out recently that like even I have gotten back on the internet to scream at purists because I can't keep my mouth shut. So and I'll save that for later because I want to talk about it. But um, yeah, so I've been watching a ton of TV. <laughs> All right. Yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah. So, so I mean, like screaming at purists about this movie, since you want to talk no. about it later. No, oh, okay. Well, I mean, just adaptations in general. So between Cowboy Bebop and The Witcher and Wheel of Time and like all these adaptations have come out and I'm just watching the purists on the internet, like have aneurysms in real time. Um, and it's great. I've been, I've been enjoying it intensely. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, uh, it's good to have you back on the show, Angie, and uh, hopefully you won't be yelling at anybody uh, on this podcast. I hope not. (laughs) I might. (laughs) But with that, let's segue to somebody that we'll all probably yell at, and that is the man you love to hate, and that is Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) You know, in in the spirit of the holidays, Nathan, (laughs) I'm a... I'm going to forgive that erroneous statement. Uh, Everyone loves me. I'm a delight. You know, <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, that's that's good. You tell yourself that, and you yeah. probably can oh, convince yeah. yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's what my mother tells me. So it's got to be true. <laughs> <you know? laughs> so how have you been, Ryan? I'm uh, I'm hanging in there. Uh, you know, making it through the holidays, and and uh, not like uh, Angie, I am as well enjoying uh, Wheel of Time. Purists just lose the, lose their go crazy over this series. So, um, I'm 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 making the best of it okay no well that's yeah. that's good <laughs> I, I i miss i miss your online presence ryan you used to be on all the time and now you're not on very much anymore i it's know good, well you it's know. good to have someone to rail against <laughs> one of my new year's resolution is to be sure to to give you a migraine nathan that's, <laughs> that's gonna be something i'm gonna try to <laughs> to do <laughs> maybe you should update your website yeah, I have a website, really? <laughs> you know? That was last updated in 2019. Yeah, you know. <laughs> you know what? I'm, I'm, it's not true, but I'm going to blame COVID. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, wait a minute. You've had more time because of COVID because uh, you had you a know. long period of no commute. And then you've had like, okay. you know, you didn't go to Dragon Con and then, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know what, Nathan? Not unlike the movie we're about to talk. Let's not think about this too hard. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's, not, <laughs> let's not pull at the strings. You know? <laughs> that is it a works fair if we point don't think because about I, yeah. I agree. When I came away from the movie, there were a few things. So it's like, oh, wait a minute. I didn't think about that at the time. But no. <laughs> <laughs> and you shouldn't start now. Right. 
All right. Well, it is good to have you back on the show, Ryan. Thank you. Good to be back. (laughs) Well, normally we'd have our five minute controversy here, but when we have a packed cast and we're talking about a Marvel movie, I've just decided we're not going to do a five minute controversy because there is enough to talk about with this movie to fill out an episode and then some. So uh, we are going to skip the five minute controversy, but we will pause for a promo from another fine ESO podcast. And then we'll come back to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. Doctor Who is all about change. For almost 59 years, the show has gone through many regenerations. One thing always consistent is a sense of hope and wonder across all space and time. It's the dawn of a new era, and your friends at our station Who will be here to cover everything to come this year and beyond. Please write and subscribe to our show wherever fine podcasts are found. We are going to discuss Spider-Man No Way Home. And so Angie and Ryan have been with us to talk about Spider-Man movies in the past. But Jess and Mike, this is your first time talking about Spider-Man with us. So just really quick, what what has been your thoughts on the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies up to this point? Um, So we'll start with you on this one, Mike. Love seeing Tom Holland evolve as spider-man from the rookie superhero um just becoming himself and you know getting his costume going from just being the little neighborhood you know vigilante who stopped you know petty crimes and everything to you know going through civil war and then into his own movies and into endgame he you could see the maturity and the evolution of peter parker slash spider-man and this movie completes his evolution and ends him in a really good spot where let me just put it out there like out there peter parker in the comics in in the other movies is a loser basically he basically is always full of bad luck but he has the kindest heart in the world and he goes out to save you know sacrifice himself for other people he had to get to that point and this movie and we'll talk all about that takes him to that level and leaves him at that point where he's on his own and such and it's pretty amazing to see and i love that tom holland was able to pull it off and because he was a kid you know Mm -hmm. when he first when they first started when he first saw him in civil war and you felt like he was in high school yeah yeah not his mid-30s like toby mcguire (laughs) exactly exactly and you know and you know he didn't have all that hair like andrew garfield did you know hiding under the mask somehow so it was it was great to see and i you know when this movie was announced that you know after the bs that they came up with between sony and marvel and you know i just think we got the movie that we deserve for the third part. And it's a great ending to a trilogy. 
All right. And just what do you think about the, the Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland before this or and kind of like his MCU presence also? Yeah, no, I've enjoyed his MCU presence. I mean, I agree with a lot of what Mike said. I feel like we really got to see not only Peter Parker grow up, but we got to see Tom Holland grow up and you could kind of see like the maturity, like in his acting kind of like come forward a little bit. But I think like what I, I love kind of like that he brings to it is I feel like he always has like this charm about him and like a quick wit that I feel like, um, wasn't really necessarily in like previous incarnations. Like, I mean, I'll be totally honest. I never actually watched the Andrew Garfield movies. Um, so I'll just throw that out there, but I've seen all the original one, I guess the, the original ones, the ones with Tobey Maguire. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I definitely preferred Tom Holland's version and like the MCU take to the original ones that we had. I just, I feel like you got that that humor in a lot of ways, you know, that Marvel's kind of become known for and that they get to like sprinkle that in like throughout um, the script and everything. And I've really kind of enjoyed that. And just like kind of Tom's take on Peter Parker. I feel like, I feel like he tries to make it a little bit more like lighthearted in a lot of ways. Like, it's just like, sometimes it almost feels like either like sheer dumb luck of something that happened. And it just, uh, I've, I've enjoyed it so far. So. Okay. Yeah. Um, you kind of answered something I was going to ask everybody, which was how they felt about the previous. So, so at this point, I am going to say the spoiler warning is up. Um, we are going to go into this movie and talk about all of it. So if you haven't seen No Way Home, pause the podcast, go watch the movie doing? and come right back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> also, why are you listening to this episode if you haven't seen it yet? Please go watch it first. <laughs> yes, go watch it first. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I'm going to say right now, uh, yeah, so of course there were the rumors all throughout, and you know, I I kept them in the it seems likely because of the evidence, but I you know, it, it to me it still fell in the you know, Doctor Strange is actually Mephisto category that you know people were also saying that I was just like <laughs> You know, I'm I'm putting this in the yeah, grain of salt until I actually see the movie. Um, but and, and in fact, even though I thought they probably were going to be in the movie, I thought they were going to be like just right at the end. Like Peter's going to be fighting and he's going to be almost defeated. And then suddenly two more Spider-Man swing in to help him. I was not expecting um, uh, Tommy Maguire and Andrew Garfield to be in the movie as much as they were and have as strong a presence as they were. Um so, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's, you know, um, an interesting thing that happened where F for once the internet rumor mill was actually right about something instead of, you know, all the things that I've been used to lately, where it's like people insist that some weird theory is going to be correct. And then it turns out not to be, but, um, <laughs> but with all that being said, you know, cause we haven't ever talked about the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield movies, you know, I'm kind of curious for everybody's take on, those been again keep it to just brief highlights don't really get into a nitty-gritty but what were your takes on those movies so um let's start with you on this one angie uh my takes on the movies um i think andrew garfield got done dirty and i as an andrew garfield spider-man fan um feel like he was vindicated in this movie. <laughs> I think he was an excellent Spider-Man that got done done dirty and uh, they rectified that for him. Um, I'm going to be honest, the, the Raimi movies, um, I was 
end of high school, getting out of high school. Um, my husband actually told me that I'm not allowed to say I'm not a Spider-Man fan anymore because I have been watching these movies for 20 years. But um, at the time the Raimi movies came out, I could care, I could care less about Spider-Man. And so to me, it, a lot of it seemed pretty overwrought. Um, the, the dashboard confessional ending of the second film is my only memory of it really. Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I, in fact, I think I should go back and rewatch them. Um, cause I, it just, they just didn't, they didn't resonate with me as much for whatever reason. Um, so, and I've, I've Tom Holland, um, you know, has had the benefit of being able to, to play off of all of the other Avengers, which I think has definitely helped to endear him, um, to me. And, and cause he's been able to show off different facets of his personality. Um, I really love the, the, um, the interactions with with Tony Stark, which you know, obviously the others didn't have. Uh, so yeah, overall positive. I'm I'm all on Andrew Garfield, Team Andrew Garfield, though. See, I remember way back when Angie, when you and I talked about the first two Spider-Man movies over <laughs> AIM. <laughs> so so yeah, you 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 might you might be like you're not really a Spider-Man fan, but yeah, you've definitely been watching these movies. <laughs> For Since a long the beginning. Time. I'm old now. I don't. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Mike, uh, what were your thoughts on the the Andrew Garfield and, and Tobey Maguire interpretations of Spider Man? Well, for me, finally to see a real Spider Man on the big screen with Toby was awesome. Um, I was not a huge fan of the first one. Uh, there were so many faults with that. Not that it was Tobey Maguire's fault, not that it was William Defoe's fault. I just didn't care for the film all that much. And I also didn't like that they ended up killing the Green Goblin in the first film. You know, Green Goblin is Spider-Man's, one of his biggest foes. And to see them kill him off at the end of it, it's like that would have been great at the end of the third and have him go away for the second one or something like that would have made it a lot more interesting. And also there was just this, and I blame Sam Raimi on this a little bit. I know, Hall Hale, Saint, you know, Sam, but. <laughs> you're um, not gonna hear an argument from me, so no, you're good. It was, it was interesting. There was one scene where you just had two people in masks talking to each other, and it could have been anybody in those suits and just voiceovers, you know, cause it was Spider-Man talking to the Green Goblin in his mask. And so it was just like, no, no. But I loved the second one um doc ock was amazing in that movie i loved seeing that come to life because that was the first time ever you had anything close to that and you know i just thought he seemed real he seemed you know like almost sympathetic in some ways and i just loved it the third one, I'm not even going to talk about. It was a piece of garbage. It was a dumpster fire. And I think the, the only winning thing in that was um, Sandman. And the rest of it was junk. Um, the Andrew Garfield movies, I enjoyed, but I didn't love. I liked Andrew Garfield as Spider-Man. I loved Gwen Stacy, and I, I thought she was great. The villains were weak, though. Lizard in the first one, and then Electro. And the second one, I didn't really care for. And don't get me started on Paul Giamatti as the rhino. Come on. No, <laughs> no, no, don't even go there. But it was it was fun. Um, they were good popcorn movies. And 
was I disappointed that they didn't do a third uh, Andrew Garfield movie? A little bit. You know, I would have liked to see where they would have evolved his character from there. But I did. And then when, you know, they announced that MCU was taking over with a brand new Spider-Man, I was like, again? You know, but it, it is what it is. But I did love seeing them come back for this. And I enjoyed it. I was one of those people who cheered and clapped when each one came through that portal. It was awesome. <laughs> Meanwhile, Beth, who doesn't like read or look at anything or anything, just groaned when she saw Andrew Garfield show up and then wow. groaned again when Tobey Maguire showed up. <laughs> Uh, but uh, but yeah, Ryan, what were your thoughts on um, on uh, on those two and their movies? Uh, well, I mean, so I've been around obviously long enough that I remember seeing each of them in the theater uh, when they mm-hmm. first came out, and uh, they'll especially the Toby ones will always have a special place in my heart. Um, not to get like all political or whatever, but when the first one came out, it was like only a few months after nine eleven, and I just remembered like we were all in a bad space and this movie came out and just suddenly it just felt like i don't know maybe maybe things weren't as terrible as they as they could be um i've always thought that toby mcguire made a great peter parker and andrew garfield made a great spider-man uh and, and that's kind of my feeling on the matter I, I feel like by the time we got to uh, andrew garfield it was getting a little tired not not that he not anything against his skater boy version of peter parker but um it was just getting like okay okay oh here's a fifth spider-man movie like uh i'm 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 done with it we get to watch you know uncle ben die again all right great and um so no fault of the casting i do have to agree that maybe his andrew garfield's villains were a little bit weaker but all in all I i just felt like um Maybe it's just my enjoyment of the Spider-Man movies, but they pretty much decreased a little bit with each one uh, until we got to uh, you know the MCU. And again, I don't think that's a, a necess- that's not a fault of the casting or anything like that. That's just where I was at, and just the fact that the comic book movies, especially when the Andrew Garfield's ones were coming out, were entering a whole new stage. Uh, you know, trying to literally compete. It's like, oh yeah, you know, MC is gearing up towards uh, the Avengers, and Sony's gearing up towards the Sinister Six. It's like, yeah, you know, it, it just it wasn't it wasn't quite on the same level. Um, which is not to say, and I had a problem. I just I'm I, I'm a big Emma Stone fan, but I could just never buy her as a high school kid. I don't. Know. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> way too mature. But, well, well, that was my joke earlier about casting thirty somethings as Peter. Yeah. I mean, it's like you know, I've got a bald spot, but you know, I'm really a high school <laughs> exactly. student. It's like, yeah, no. <laughs> although the <laughs> thing I will say about Andrew Garfield is he looks like the Mark Bagley Spider Man, like just like physically like just appearing like that's that's my when i started reading spider-man that's who was drawing amazing spider-man and he looks like that peter parker now that peter parker was a guy in his 20s you know not the high school version so you know there was kind of a problem there but yeah like the hair and everything it was like oh wow he looked just like the mark bagley you know spider-man so i thought that was you know kind of cool but um Oh, I was going to say, though, the one thing we need to remember is that Avi Arad looms large over all those Spider-Man movies and pretty much any bad decision you can attribute to Avi. (laughs) So, you know, it's like his quest to make more money and what action figures would be great, you know, rather than what serves the story. So, you know, I did find it interesting if you watch the credits for this one that they thank Avi Arad for his like years of service. And I'm like, oh God, are they finally booting him out? It's because Sony was the last one because now Marvel owns all the characters. So as Marvel has gone back, because he used to be the guy that was over, like the producer for all the licensed stuff. 
from Marvel. And so like Spider-Man, the Sony stuff was the last thing Avi Arad actually had any hands in. But it almost seemed like it was a farewell thing at the end of the credits to Avi. And I'm like, oh, man. It's like, you know, out to pasture. <laughs> Thanks. <you know? laughs> right. I, I don't know. I mean, you can make the argument that maybe without him, we would have gotten nothing. So, no, that's in, true. In that I mean, sense. yeah. In, in the yeah. 90s, I think he, he probably did help raise Marvel's profile yeah, um, quite yeah, a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, but, Mike, were, were you waving to make a point? I was like, see, I don't want to be basically. Oh, right. obvious. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Jess, I know you haven't seen the Andrew Garfield movies, but uh, what what were your thoughts on the Tobey Maguire Spider-Mans? Oh, it has also been quite a long time since I've mm. seen those. <laughs> and I was young. I think Angie and I are of a similar age. But <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember enjoying them. Um because I I didn't do any type of rewatch prepping for this. Like I barely got to see, sure. to see like this movie as it was, but um, I, I remember enjoying them. And I feel like a few, I think the second one kind of like Mike was saying sticks with me more than maybe the first one did. Mm. And I mean, I clearly remember like Venom and Sandman from the third one, but other than the fact that they were in it, I can't, I can't tell you what else happened in that movie, but because like at that time, there just wasn't that much like superhero stuff coming out. And, you know, I've always kind of like, liked the genre I've always loved like superhero stuff. And so, you know, at, at the time, it was one of the few things I, I was, you know, getting or that had, I'd been able to see. So I, I just remember enjoying them. Yeah. So like for me, um, I have kind of a different take. I mean, I, I think I actually, ironically, because I don't think I've ever talked with Angie about the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man. I think I kind of uh, agree more with her because, well, I didn't like Amazing Spider-Man, the first Amazing Spider-Man that much. The second one I really liked and I really liked how they ended that second one because I felt like they had really finally understood like the whole Peter Parker thing and the fact that things can never go his way. And every time that it seems like they should, it, it is that and something really bad has to happen and i was i was really stunned by the end of that movie and i really liked how they did it like the thing with him standing over the grave and then they're showing like the different seasons going through and like he gives up being spider-man and it's like a significant amount of time and it's like oh my god like this is this is spider-man the toby Maguire. so i never felt like sam raimi got spider-man like, you know, it's been mentioned, like, like Toby made a good Peter Parker, but they made Peter quippy, not Spider-Man. And I never really liked that. Um, I didn't like how they tried to do the death of Gwen Stacy, but with Mary Jane and then she doesn't die. I thought like that was a huge mistake. And and frankly, everybody says, uh, you know, Spider-Man 2 is so great, but I didn't like that they made Doc Ock sympathetic because that's not the character. Like Doc Ock is a guy who once he had power. He, he was like, I am going to like, you know, get back at all the people who were ever bad to me. And I didn't I didn't feel like he understood who Doc Ock was. I thought the scene on the train was ridiculous. Somebody on that train is going to like give a police a sketch of this guy. They're not going to be like, oh, we promise never to, you know, like people in New York think he's a villain. That's the whole point. Like Spider-Man can never catch a break. Like, you know, like, but, but Raimi always seemed to think Spider-Man was like Superman. Oh, let's give you the keys to the city. Like everybody loves him. And I'm like, that's not Spider-Man. I do love Jonah though. Jonah was perfect. <laughs> and so that's why I'm glad he's in the MCU that they brought that element in, even though it's a slightly different version played, but played by the same guy. Um, I was going to say, I think maybe some people agree with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I thought that Andrew was closer to what I mean. Yeah, his Peter was a little darker 
than how I feel like Peter should be, but I got they wanted to do a different take, but his Spider-Man was dead on. That was the quippy Spider-Man that I wanted. Um, and so that that I appreciated. And yeah, the lizard was a bit weak, but I actually liked the second movie, even though I felt like it was a bit long. Like I felt like they could have trimmed it a little bit and it would have been a tighter movie, but I liked how they developed it. And I really wanted a third movie until I heard like the plot ideas they'd kicked around for a third movie. And then I was like, oh, maybe we dodged a bullet there. Um, (laughs) They were going to do the clone saga and bring back Gwen Stacy. And I was like, oh, no, oh, oh, no, I don't know. But um, anyway. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I mean, that's that's the thing, though, in this movie we get Tom Holland, Andrew Garfield, and Tobey Maguire all in a movie together. And I'm going to say this before I leave it open for everybody. What I told Beth was, this feels to me like how the Wolverine did, in that in the Wolverine, I said, it makes X3 better by connecting it to a superior movie. Having Wolverine deal with the aftermath of X3 made X3 a better movie. And I feel like this movie connecting to the Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire movies more so to the more so to the Andrew Garfield movies especially since we didn't get closure with those makes them better by connecting them to the Tom Holland one so um just sort of thoughts on seeing those two in the you know in this movie part of the MCU you know part of it in the MCU universe with Tom Holland and sort of all that entails um Ryan let's start with you on this one yeah, I, I have to agree with you. The writers they took this opportunity to um, to basically to they to finish to put a end cap on the Andrew Garfield movies. Uh, it wasn't we didn't get you know Amazing Spider-Man three, but we did get Redemption for Peter. We did get you know and, and catching MJ and saving MJ. We did get. I mean, the very fact that the other Peters took uh, a minute to say, no, you're, you're good. You're, you're amazing. Yeah. You're amazing. You know, all, all the jokes aside, but the, the for the, you could definitely tell that the writers took treated, it was a different treatment for Toby Maguire and for uh, Andrew Garfield for mm-hmm. Toby. It was more kind of like a nostalgia kind of like, Oh, here's the Peter you grew up with. Here's your guy. Here's your, you know, you, here's all the warm and fuzzies. And for Andrew, it was more like a, Hey, your story's unfinished and we're going to try and give you a satisfactory conclusion we're gonna this is this is gonna help you and everyone who's loved you and in turn help all of us and so yeah even though they meshed so well together tonally each uh peter was played differently and, and written for differently um jess yeah um i so i i kind of like I liked them showing up, but like I expected it. And then I didn't expect it at the same time. So it's like, mm-hmm. because everyone's saying it should happen. I was like, you know, they're maybe they'll pull in one for like a little cameo and like, that'll be it. And so like when Andrew Garfield showed up, I was like, oh, okay, they went for the one they were denying the most. So that's cool. And then when they both showed up, I was like, okay, so how are, you know, how are they going to kind of like play off of each other? And I really ended up enjoying the trio. So I, I actually thought it was kind of a smart move to keep all of three of them in there. And I completely agree with your comments. I feel like I'm I mean, I didn't get a chance to see the Andrew Garfield movie, so I can't really speak to that, but I totally feel like it redeemed Tobey Maguire a bit as Spider-Man and Peter Parker. So I liked seeing like how they were the same person yet just so like totally different. And you kind of really got like the feel just from like speaking or like listening to, I guess, like each like version of Peter Parker, like the different tones of those movies and those story elements all came in. And so I thought that was pretty cool as well. So overall, thumbs up for me that could have been super hokey and i feel like they did it really well 
Yeah, there's a lot of satisfaction in them just talking about the ways that their stories riff on each other. And like, again, it could have gotten really, really dumb and really hokey. But I kind of liked like the like the way that they handled like the writing on this was just really good. Um, Angie, what did you think about, you know, having them interact? Yeah, I mean, agreed with it, with everything that's been said thus far. Um, you know, I've, I have adaptations on the brain, obviously. And and I think this movie, because they took the time, they they went through the effort, right? It is not implied that in the multiverse, all of these things are canon. All of these things are canon. All of these movies are not canon. Everything you liked from the first trilogy is canon. Anything you didn't like, forget about it because it's better in the in the Andrew Garfield ones or the, you know, the, the Tom Holland ones. Pick the stuff you like out of all of them because it's all real. And we took the time to go and address that, right? Michelle Jones is not Mary Jane. You know why? Because Mary Jane's in the other, like she's in the other universe. If you care about that, forget about it. You got a Mary Jane somewhere. Like it, I don't think that there is a single other property that, that had the cachet to do this. And just kudos. It was it, they did so well because I too was terrified that they'd just like swing in to save the day at the end, and I'd roll my eyes because I'm not sentimental at all. But I legit <laughs> cried when he caught MJ. Yeah. <laughs> I cried. So yeah, it was great. It was very well done. God, that scene from Amazing Spider-Man Two is still like because they they went for like worse than the comics where yeah. he, like because she slams onto the floor. And then is pulled back up, you know, it's like, it's, it's dark. And like, yeah, like my wife cried with, with, with both of those too, because like, that was the thing for her with Amazing Spider-Man too, was like, they killed off Gwen and she was not expecting it. And that like upset her so much. So then seeing the, the save, you know, uh, she really appreciated that. Um, So Mike thoughts on um, the, the, the trio. I actually really liked it more than I actually was expecting that I would. It gave good time for each one of them. Neither, you know, I didn't feel like Andrew or Toby got over, you know, like too much time. It almost felt like, you know, they it was very well played and they were able to help Peter at a very, very rough time with his death of Aunt May. And I thought it was really interesting. And it also played into something that I had been thinking about. Was there ever an uh, Uncle Ben who was killed in Peter's, in, you know, the MCU? And I more think that Ben and May were probably split. You know, they got divorced or something. And Uncle Ben went on his way to do whatever. So he's not even around. He probably didn't have any part in Peter's life because, you know, especially when they were dealing with May being killed and Peter was, you know, you've never gone through this. You've never. And they both had to tell him about their Uncle Ben's. And it was just real interesting that, you know, it was her who was the influencer, not Ben. And she even did the famous line which was even more interesting. I really agree that I felt like Andrew Spider-Man redeemed himself in this one because he was beating himself up with the death of Gwen. And, you know, he was able to save MJ and at the Statue of Liberty, the the way he should have saved Gwen Stacy. And it was his way to, you know, stop 
having all the guilt himself, which was interesting. And Toby was the most grounded of the three of them, which was really interesting because he had been doing this for so long. And I am so glad they didn't de-age either yeah. of them. And that made it even more so. And it was an older Peter Parker who had been doing this already. Even when he got stabbed, oh, stabbed again. All right, I can handle that. <laughs> so it, it was great. And I think I thought it was awesome how they, you know, they tied each one together. And I thought it was really well done. In some ways, I thought it was even be- done even better than Into the Spider Verse. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I um, yeah, I, I've had the same thoughts about Uncle Ben. I mean, clearly his influence on Peter is a lot lower than he traditionally is in most, uh, you know, in the comics and in most adaptations. And of course, Aunt May is the one that actually gives the famous line now, um, you know, uh, which, which I appreciated because I've been sick of them trying to say with great power comes great responsibility, but in a different way, like they did that in amazing Spider-Man. And now in the Marvel version, like when he talks to Tony, he's like, when you can do a thing, but then you don't do the thing, then it's on you. And I'm like, he's trying to say with great power comes great responsibility, but because they're like we already did that in the toby ones they're like trying to like shy away from it and i'm glad they're finally like no we can say it it's okay now so i was happy that they actually said it because i'm like all these awkward ways of them trying to say it without saying it were starting to annoy me i'm glad they didn't give the origin story for the peter and the mcu we've seen it played out so Mm. many different times we didn't need to see it again you know, it's the same way we don't need to see the Waynes shot again in Crime Alley. We don't need to see Peter bitten by the spider and then Uncle Ben being shot by the burglar. So I suspect, though, that that Spider-Man cartoon they're going to do, which is supposed to be like Tom Holland's year one, they might go into that. Like they might do like a like a the uncle or the the origin story for the Tom Holland Spider-Man in that. But at least then it will be like a, a look back kind of thing and not part of, you know, the movies. Um, but uh, but yeah, so let's talk about, you know, Peter's traditional supporting cast, because, you know, that factors big into this movie um as well so i mean a lot of a lot of developments here um so let's start with you on this one ryan like what did you because there's a lot to unpack with this so i don't even know where to start really because there's a lot um but yeah just like uh you know developments because we've got we've got happy under investigation for missing stark tech we've got you know aunt may's death and then we've got the changed circumstances at the end with um, MJ and Harry um, all going on and all factoring into this. So, like, how do you how do you feel about like the changes going on and like what was surprising to you and and you know sort of stuff like that? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just in general, this movie could have been it clocked in like at two and a half hours. It could have been three hours. It needed it honestly. It needed to be. Um, three hours uh one of mm. if i was one of the complaints i would make if i were to list complaints would be that i feel like the first act got kind of shorted um mm. they tried to just force so much like i think like within 10 minutes we went from you know peter's identity is revealed to he's under investigation to stark's 
technology is all confiscated to oh by the way here's daredevil oh neat ha 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 and then bam and then you know i mean it's just, but i actually just, appreciate see, so this is a thing i just want to jump in here for this sure. people have complained like like on the eternals podcast which none of you were on people were complaining that dane whitman was such a minor character in eternals and i was like no i like that they're doing that because yeah. you know he's going to appear later and he's going to be big in something else but it's just like they're just like aha here's a character we've introduced him so now you at least know the face and you know something about him when he shows up next so you're like yeah it's like hey and that's the other conspiracy theory that actually finally got you know <laughs> you know is that Although, charlie cox's daredevil is in the mcu now um but uh but but yeah i mean but at least then it's like yeah we we've checked that we know he's gonna turn up again but here you've just a scene in a movie where it makes sense to put him in and there there he is so i, yeah. I kind of like that I mean, that aspect of it, I really had no problem with it, even if it wasn't the whole rolled up sleeve scene that everyone said proved right, yeah. it was in it. But um, no, just the whole thing about it is like, literally, it's just a shame because like in any other movie at any other time, that cameo would have been like, oh my God, everyone's talking about that, you know, when they left the theater. But in this movie at this time, it's like, wasn't there someone else? I mean, I'm forgetting, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's like, it's just, it's like the bottom of the pile. But, but my original point was just that literally like that. I felt like that first act with, with the characters, um, was just uh, just kind of rushed, if you will. We had to get to Doctor Strange. We had to get to the villains. There mm-hmm. were just so many characters in it that, and everyone that not a, not unlike the Russos in Endgame. I feel like what the balancing act was good. Everyone got an appropriate amount of screen time, an appropriate amount of something to do, but everyone could have done so much more. The the entire trilogy, I felt they never gave um, Marissa Tomei's Aunt May enough. I felt like, you know, that she's just an underutilized. This is such a new and different version of Aunt May compared to, you know, what Rosemary Harris and Sally Field. I wanted them to do more with that, and they never did. And, of course, now that opportunity is kind of gone. Although I do feel like still, I feel like in this movie, this was the Aunt May that I've been waiting for. Uh, this is the, I mean, her, she could have been Captain America, you know, as far as her. I, she would have been standing up right there with him at the end, you know, against Thanos and, and everything. It just this is the one who no matter the circumstances you do the right thing you know this is the one there there are a few characters like that and uh, she is one of them and I, I was waiting for that this entire time um of course it came at the very end you know but i feel like uh for peter to truly be peter for peter to truly understand what is good uh he needed that lesson and he needed not made to teach it to him and and we finally got there um as far as ned and uh um and i also feel like flash flash got totally ripped off uh this film i think he had what like two scenes yeah. all together um but ned and mj uh yeah i mean i i go back and forth on uh, is it mary jane is it michelle jones i, I and i just honestly don't care enough to have an opinion on it um but ned uh i just oh god is he going to be hobgoblin someday I, I don't know i don't want him to and he you know he promised peter he wouldn't be you know but he doesn't <laughs> so remember that. that now but he yeah he doesn't remember that exactly so he might very well find a reason to hate spider-man so i totally see that being a possibility uh you know that was retconned many many years later that ned never was the hobgoblin although nobody remembers that now it's like (laughs) because the original writer roger stern came back to say like that was not my intention when i started the hobgoblin storyline he did this whole comic to reintroduce all these supporting characters who had fallen off the spider-man book just to show like oh yeah it was this guy and it was like this guy that nobody cared about that had been in the book for years and it was just like he was really the hobgoblin all along and i was just like oh man but anyway i don't know i'm just gonna i mean 
no, yeah, I, that's a whole other tangent. I mean, just <laughs> on a lark, I looked up all the different goblins the other night, and I mean, mm. there's like 17 different green goblins, f- four hobgoblins. There's a proto goblin, a demo goblin, a goblin knight, goblin king, and I'm like, yeah, fine, we can just do Spider-Man into the Goblin verse. <laughs> And I would honestly, I would see it twice. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but yeah, I, I, as far as this, the regular cast goes, um, the teachers, the teachers would be the three that I would absolutely wish we'd had more time with. <laughs> well, who knows? Maybe that one teacher, because he was in like Incredible Hulk, you know, yeah. will also show up again at some point in something else. <laughs> He'll be teaching the night class when Peter goes to college. Yeah. <laughs> right. college yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so, so yeah, Mike, I mean, again, I know it's kind of a broad question, but you know, just the, the Peter supporting cast, like what do you think about what, what would, what would they did with them in this movie? Like, you know, Ryan said it was pretty much on point for me. I agree that, you know, it was interesting to not see Aunt May as an older lady. Mm-hmm. And it was, she was young, she was vibrant, and she part was kind of part of the Spidey crew, but, you know, not as much. But, you know, it was interesting to see her get involved in this episode, and I'm calling it an episode, but movie. But it was interesting to see because she guilted Peter into helping Green Goblin. You know, Peter was like, I'm going to send them all home. I don't care. You know, these guys are evil. They don't have anything, you know. And, you know, she was the one, there's good in everybody. And, you know, and that was her downfall right there. It's like, oh, yep, she's gone. She's going to pay for what she just said. But it was interesting to see, you know, and I was hard. Just in anyone but Norman Osborne, because I was just like, I was face bombing because I'm like, oh no, not yeah. Norman Osborne. No, don't no, say no, that. Anyone but to not Norman. You know, <laughs> right. there was a chance with anybody else, but not Norman. <laughs> right. But it was interesting with that. And you know, MJ and you know, Ned was great. And it was heartbreaking at the end. You know, Peter had to give them up. And I'm glad that Peter at the end didn't do his little speech in the coffee shop. Let them live their lives. You know, they're on a good place. And Peter actually was ready to do it until she said, you know, when he noticed the bandage on her head and, you know, she, and he, she said, basically it's, it, it doesn't hurt as much. And it was like, Oh, I can't do this. Her, she needs to go on with her life type thing. And I, want to see what future where the future goes with that and you know because that's right out of the comics kind of with one more day and it's going to be interesting to see what happens with that um i was very interested with uh j jonah jameson in this was a total jackass he was an instigator he was getting right into the middle of he was kind of like how in the comics, he wouldn't let any, a dead horse rest. And he was on Peter and Spider-Man's butt the whole time. And it was interesting. He was becoming more and more like an Alex Jones type character, trying to sell his vitamins and his supplements on TV. And it was it was a great parody of that. Mm-hmm. And I love, you know, even after the mind wipe happened, he was still on Spider-Man's butt. But, you know, at least Peter could have some peace now with that. And, you know, so it was interesting with that. The school stuff, I didn't really, you know, care. I did I did like it when, you know, at 
the with the reporter and her and her going you know go get him tiger it was just like you know so it was, it was interesting with that and you had the teachers and everything but that was just filler to me and everything so it was i didn't like and then the whole thing with happy was just awesome and you know then it was basically happy who convinced peter to keep going mm-hmm. at the end at the graveyard and because peter was just gonna you know sulk away into the, and you know he probably was not gonna become spider-man again he was gonna you know let it all rest and then talking to happy at the graveyard at may's gravesite you know hearing about you know what he had to say that was inspirational and everything do i want to see happy back in another movie no that's done you know i could see him in another like iron heart or something i don't want to see him with peter anymore because he doesn't have any relationship with peter now so it was interesting i have thoughts on that but i'm going to come to that in a minute uh, jess what did you think about the supporting cast and uh and and you know how they were depicted in the things that happened yeah I I was legit devastated by Aunt May's death <laughs> because I also enjoyed like having a more like young and vibrant Aunt May, someone who is clearly like a good influence in his life. And she was, you know, she was like part of the team. And so that was really, really, really sad for me. I mean, it's not surprising. He had, he had to have that happen at some point because as far as we know or have been led to believe there's not really, he doesn't really have an uncle Ben. So especially as soon as she said the line, I was like, Oh, she's gone. She, she is going to die in 30 seconds. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, but it was a great moment. I mean, it's a moment that has to happen. Um, I mean, there's, there's no way to get around it for Peter Parker, unfortunately, but I was completely devastated by that. And then um, I'll, I'll go on to happy. I, I love what John Favreau does with that character. I think I'm kind of with Mike. I, I don't necessarily need to see him back. They kind of got their moment. They got to connect, even though it was, when he didn't actually know who Peter was. And, you know, maybe that was a good thing. I I like that we eventually kind of got that moment because I feel like he's been trying to connect with him like all this time. And it was just like, oh, you're a nuisance. You're a bother. Like, get like, I'm not, you know, going to deal with you right now. But um, I liked, I liked the ending scene between them. That was nice. And then let's see what else am I supposed to be talking about? The teachers? And you don't have to talk about the teachers if you don't want to. No, I mean, like, uh, like Ned, MJ, you know, uh, yeah, those characters. Ned and MJ, yes, that should be what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. um, I've been listening to everyone else talk and I'm trying to like remember all the different points and stuff. Um, but anyway, so like Ned and MJ, I, I don't know. I, I was a bit sad about that. I mean, I agree. I think it was better that at the end in that like coffee shop scene that he, he kind of like lets them go and lets them move on. I, I almost thought they were going to reveal, like when she sees Ned and she's so happy to see him that they were going to reveal that they were actually together. That is what I was expecting as well. (laughs) I was really, really expecting that. And then it doesn't, I don't think that played out that way. Exactly. It definitely didn't get that vibe, but at first when he walked in, I was like, Oh my God, they're going to be dating. And he's, he's going to be devastated. It's just going to be like another nail in the coffin. (laughs) Uh, but it didn't go that way. So I don't know. I'm kind of like going back and forth, like on the one hand and the way they've established like Peter Parker in this universe, he has them on his team. So it's kind of like hard for me to like say, you know, he's going to move on and like never come back to them. So I feel like in some way I do want them to eventually kind of like reconnect, but I don't want them to like retcon this movie either. Cause I feel like 
if you do have them reconnect or you do have them remember his past, it kind of retcons this whole movie. So I don't know how I really feel about that, but. Yeah, I just got to say, after hearing everybody talk about all that, I mean, I know you haven't gone yet, Angie, it's just like, I keep having in my head this vision of next time they reboot Spider-Man following the progression, it's going to be Megan Fox playing on May. It's like... (laughs) I could actually go for that, actually. (laughs) I could see it. It's like, we got somebody even younger and hotter, you know? It's like... All right, but... um... Angie, what do you think of the uh, Peter's supporting cast of this? Yeah, um, really what impressed me about the supporting cast was that it didn't feel like they were a vehicle to demonstrate how Peter is his own worst enemy. They all got their own moments. Uh, But really, the whole point of all of them is to show that Peter is his own freaking worst enemy. The whole movie is about parental figures and friends and family and not doing it all alone. So at the very end of the movie, he decides to do it all alone. Because what up? Because he's Peter Parker. And Ned is probably going to be a goblin now. Maybe he'll be the Goblin King. I don't know. The point is... Peter is his own worst nightmare and even not having any read any comics, even I know that, but the, the whole, we have this entire amazing supporting cast. I am embarrassed to say, I did not know May was going to die or say the line until she said the line. And then I almost puked basically. Um, You know, it's, is Dr. Strange is his stepdad, like that whole exchange about what to call him. It was such a stepdad thing. Um, And it was, it was just great. I mean, and so you have, you know, and he has this previous relationship with Tony and what that means that Tony's gone. And like, he has these, these made families and these father figures and um, you know, the uh, doc Ock coming back and having his redemption was part of that, right. That, that this parental figure to Tobey Maguire's um, Spider-Man is, is there and, and has his redemption. And, and he just, he's screwing it all up by deciding to go alone. And, you know, we get it. We we feel for him, but man, Peter, that was the wrong choice. <laughs> it's funny because watching this movie, it was hard for me not to think about all the comments that we've been making on the show. I realized that that again, only Ryan's really been on these episodes talking about the Flash and about how Barry Allen is the true villain of the Flash <laughs> because all of his mistakes are the things that keep feeding all the bad stuff that happens. And watching this movie and seeing Peter, but it's like it's so funny how good writing can make it all like different because it's like whereas that becomes tedious in the Flash and it be, it's a problem for the show. And this, it's like the writing is so good that it's like, while you recognize the problem, while you recognize that Peter and Peter's, you know, decisions of of trying to make his decisions on his own and not working with others and all that kind of stuff is causing the problem, you're a lot more cool with it. You know, when it's, when it's written well. So yeah, no, I, I totally hear you on that. And yeah, I mean, my own take on it. I mean, I don't think I can say much more about, you know, Aunt May, like you guys have all like, you know, said that, you know, um, Again, total gut punch, total surprise. Like the fact, though, that she was the one that took a moral stand and was the one that influenced Peter to make, you know, the the big decision on this, that he was going to try to save these people. You know, I really liked that. Um, Happy, I think where that's all going is Armor Wars, uh, because we know Armor Wars is being hinted. You know, all this technology has gone missing from Stark. So I suspect we'll end up seeing uh, Happy and maybe even seeing Matt as his lawyer 
in Armor Wars, um, you know, next. So, and I think that's fine. But yeah, I don't think Happy needs to come back to a Spider-Man movie. Um, but it would make sense for Happy to be in Armor Wars. Um, and uh, so we'll see, you know, how that develops. Um, but but yeah, the like, like just as they're, you know, like I, you know, I was... I, I, you know, the first Spider-Man movie, I was not sold on MJ, you know, like I liked aspects of what they were playing with. I liked the fact that they had, like, she clearly knew that he was Spider-Man, which is, you know, in Mary, in the comics, Mary Jane figured out he was Spider-Man before he revealed it to her, which is one of the things that none of the adaptations have had. Um, And so I liked giving her that agency um, like she had in the comics, but, you know, I didn't like the fact that she was such a different character, but they kind of sold me in the last one you know, and far from home with the character. Cause even though it's like, yeah, she's a very different character. I kind of like her. And like, this just like completely like cemented it for me. Like I absolutely love her. I love the way that they interacted together. It's one of those things where it's like, you can tell that there's the off screen romance because of the chemistry that they have on screen. And, you know, that's, you know, again, I think that that, that worked really well for them. And Ned's been just such a fun, like, guy, like, the whole time. And so you absolutely adore these characters. So, you know, again, it is, it, it was great for them to have more of a role, I think, this time, or more of a, more of a part of the action rather than as people that needed to be saved. And I liked that they got that part. But then, yeah, again, it's another one of those things where it's just like, yeah, you're, you, how that ends excuse me and then like the whole thing in the in the donut shop and again i'm so glad because i was cringing waiting for like her and ned to kiss and then for him to be like oh i'm not going like they've 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 created a relationship i'm not going to ruin that by trying to come in i thought that was going to be his rationale for not you know doing the speech and uh but then i was like oh god but then sometime later she's going to remember anyway and then ned's going to become the goblin and it's like ah no we don't want to do this so i'm kind of glad that it was more of his decision just from seeing the fact that she was hurt and realizing that he puts her in danger by being close to her that felt a lot more like uh you know like a peter parker you know like from the comics kind of thing of you know when he's distanced himself from relationships because of the fact that he doesn't want to hurt people and you know he doesn't want them to get hurt when they're close to him and all that kind of stuff so so, um, you know, I, I, I liked that way of doing it. Um, but yeah, still, still sorry. And it's, it'll be interesting to see if they, they keep Ned and an MJ in the next movie or if they will have him go completely clean slate um, and, and develop a new supporting cast around him. So that's, I think that's a big question mark uh, at the end of this. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, we're going to be remiss unless we talk about my boy, Dr. Stephen Strange, who <laughs> for the first half of this movie, I was like, they might as well have called this Dr. Strange too, because you know, it's like, it's just as much his movie as Peter's. Of course he gets sidelined about midway through. So then it becomes much more of a, just a pure Spider-Man movie. Um, but, uh, but yeah, let's talk about Dr. Strange and, uh, and his involvement in this, you know, like, how did you, how do you like that? how do you like how they did their first forays of breaking the multiverse into like the mainstream MCU beyond, you know, Loki is kind of taking place in this outside of reality kind of place in the TVA. So it's kind of, you know, nebulous, but like here we're actually breaking the multiverse into the MCU. So um, let's start with you on this one, Jess. Oh man. Okay. Dr. Strange. <laughs> it's, all right, I, I'm probably not going to say. And like, Wong the factors into the Doctor Strange side too. If you want to talk about Wong, 
I always love Wong. I think he's a fantastic character and would have loved more of him, but it's a Spider-Man movie. Right. <laughs> Even though it felt like Doctor Strange 2 for a minute here. Um, I Okay, so <laughs> I, I love as always just like his dry like sarcasm and humor. I think the Scooby-Doo line was probably one of my favorite things that has ever been said in the MCU. <laughs> uh, it just made me giggle. But on a more serious note, um, I liked... At the end, I'll jump to the end because that's like mm. mostly I think what I would like to talk about with all the multiverse stuff. I'm up on almost all like the MCU shows except for Hawkeye. That's the only one I haven't. That has nothing yet. to do with the multiverse. I yeah, and I was like, and I don't think it ties in at all. So I think I'm good there. But I I like the ties into like the what what if, and I like the ties into into Loki especially because I think it's starting to bring everything together. And I know like. Uh, Doctor Strange actual sequel is going to really bring everything together. But I liked when they started to show everything like at the end there where it's like peeking through and you can see like all of these figures like starting to come in, which is of course why they need to like reverse the spell and do that whole thing. Um, and so just that whole concept of like a true like multiverse where there's like literally like an infinite amount of people that could know Peter Parker and they're just all coming from like all these different places and all these different timelines and like what that could mean. Um, and just like watching things like break apart. I, I'm a sucker for anything time travel and multiverse related. So I thought that was super cool. Um, then like, I guess the, the actual, the actual spell that he does, which it, it's weird because it's like a spell and then the spell i guess like gets undone i may or may not have watched a couple of contained. youtube videos contained there we go okay so I, I i'm struggling like with ways to like process this in my brain as also like how to explain it because it's like they do one spell and then he's he's able to like contain it in this like little prism thing which very much reminded me of the what if series like that mm -hmm. seemed like it came like straight out of that and then he opens it back up and he does like a, and then the multiverse, you know, the universe tries to break and then he does like a second spell, which just re reverts it. I don't know. I'm not making any sense, but well, does anybody well, else? All right, well, like you're pulling at the threads Ryan told you not to pull at. So I know, I mean, I'm sorry. Because yes, like this is where, this is where some of the logic starts to fall apart because okay. it's like, it's like, <laughs> if, if you take it as it's said, you know, the whole reason people are breaking in is because they know who, who, who Spider-Man is Peter Parker. So if you erase Peter Parker and everyone's memories of Peter Parker, they won't come. The problem is then, so what, does that mean that Andrew and Toby don't even remember who they are anymore? You know, because they go away. And, you know, it's like, does that mean that every Spider-Man in the multiverse doesn't know, like, or in every character in all the multiverse doesn't know who the Spider-Man in there? And anyway, it's like, because again, it's affecting all these characters that are breaking through also. So again, it's just like, I, I, I think they didn't really think through exactly the ramifications of what they were saying and exactly the logic of it and so that's one of those things i'm just hand waving I, I, we to. just know that practically nobody in the mcu universe knows who peter is uh and and let's just leave it at that apparently it erases all records like physical and you know video and all that too you know they don't say it does that it must or otherwise people would notice like hey who's this guy and why is there you know like an id for a peter parker and a social security you know like it's like all those things would have to erase too for him to truly be gone so again i don't 
I, I, but I, he had boxes he moved into his new apartment with. So again, don't don't think about it <laughs> <Yeah>. too much. <laughs> Those it's are like, things you have to just hand was going to take a GED test yeah. to pass right. high school. So he needs yeah. some kind of identity. It would have yeah. been really cool if they ended up calling him Ben Riley or something. I was wondering if that's what it's going to be like in the next movie is he's going to be called Ben Riley and they're going to pick that up. To. But yeah, I mean, he could just keep being called Peter Parker, just right. Brand yeah. New, clean yeah, I mean, yeah. And I can see how like the legal identity of Peter Parker can still exist without people remembering like but, remembering but the Mysterio him, like, video person. would still exist if it doesn't also erase video oh. evidence. So like oh, that's all that anyone would have to do yeah. is queue up that video again and then be like, wait a minute. And watch and watch the J. Jonah Jameson, you know, Daily Bugle yeah. video or whatever, and see him calling him out. So I'm assuming that had to be all wiped out, though, because yeah. also look at Flash Thompson's book. You know, that right. had to be yeah. wiped out. And, mm. and I love how they right. called it Flashpoint. Yeah. <laughs> a little uh, to the dcu yeah see you know, i haven't for... cared for this interpretation of flash thompson so it does not bother yeah. me at all that he was only in two scenes like that that was not a problem um, i mean if if the physical material wasn't destroyed the other alternative would be the spell is ongoing and every time anyone learns of peter parker in the future they immediately forget him again it's like you know you're looking at peter parker's transcript and then you set it down and it's completely gone from your mind you see the mysterio tape you turn it off and it's completely gone from your mind. That would be the only other, I, in which case he could go. That would actually writing. make sense. I, I got the impression that it's just that everybody's memories of Peter are removed sufficient to forget that he is Spider-Man. So if you're like his school, you just got to remove J. Jonah and, you know, a couple of ancillary things and he's still a person that is there. But for someone like MJ or you know, Aunt May or Ned, I mean, Aunt May is, Jesus, sadly, not, not a concern anymore, but, you know, Ned, that their, their lives are so intertwined with Peter's that so much had to be removed that they just forgot him entirely. But, but even if it works that way, though, the, the issue of the video showing him killing yeah. Mysterio would still remain. So, I mean, I, it has to do something to physically address it. Didn't he say everything? It's all media. It's everything. Like he just I said memories. Know. Like everything that I remember him saying was just everybody's memories will be erased, not well, that physical media. <laughs> right. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I think it has to also affect physical media. Well, like it has see, to. It, see what yeah. it is is Jarvis is still in the internet and Jarvis is an AI <laughs> and it has oh, great no. it's the ship of Theseus. All right, Jess, we're 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 steamrolling over you here. Did you have anything else no. that you wanted to I mean we try I, it, it, that's the thing you shouldn't pull on the thing that you're talking about right there the I other know, thing you shouldn't pull on is why it. did characters come from different times of, of of the same universe that's the other thread you don't want to think about <laughs> yeah i know i was really trying hard not to think about that because i'm not gonna lie it felt like peter parker's had lived some life but the villains were miraculously pulled from their moment just before their death right so so I'm I'm just sort of hand waving that of like, but not all of them are dead either. Like Sandman was alive, True. so it's like like again, it like was weird and inconsistent. Like like again, I, I'm or ignore it's it. magic or 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 logically speaking, if they were all pulled from the moment of their death, older Peter's got pulled if you want a truly <laughs> dark thought, if you want a truly dark thought, I was thinking the fact that they cured Norman. And then returned him to his own universe is why he got impaled by his own glider. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I do not, actually, no, they're all now variants. 
And right. And that's broke. the other. Yeah. But that's what I think, yeah. too, is like actually like the oh, Tobey yeah. Maguire Spider-Man movies still happen the way they happen. But now there's another universe. that's a break off where Norman got better. And there's another break off where Doc Ock got better. And, and like, yeah. That's 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 I mean, what I, I didn't even assume that they were any of them were from the same universe at all. I mean, they're same, they're from the same movies, but that doesn't follow that they have to be from the same universe. We even saw that when they were talking to each other about who died when. Like, yeah, none of the Spider-Man necessarily came from the same universe as as the their movie villain counterparts. Right. No, I uh, mean, that's fair. I mean, it's definitely that fair. Sense. The, I mean, the, to that point, Doc Ock never knew Norman was Green Goblin. And he said Osborne the moment he saw the Green Goblin. No, every... Wait. But he knew he was dead. He knew... Oh. No, because if Norman... If Doc Ock knew oh, that no, Norman, you're right. Harry because, yeah, because, like, Harry... Don't tell Harry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. So, yeah, no, you're right. I didn't even question that because it's been so long since I've seen the movie. I thought, like, oh, yeah, it was well known that Norman was the Green Goblin because he died with his mask off. But no, that's right. Because, uh, yeah, Peter, like, yeah, he, yeah, took the body to the penthouse. That's right. Um, but, uh, all right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't think about it right or okay. or if you want to go totally meta when green goblin got returned that changed the timeline for doc ock to the point where you know doc ock then knew and then when doc i still ock like returned, my was- i still like my dark theory though that like they returned norman to the moment before the glider is <laughs> yeah. going to hit him yeah. and so he's like i'm better and then that's why he says don't tell harry because he's like feeling guilty about all the things that he's done and he's like it makes sense. It makes sense. You know? And so Doc Ock drowns and, you know. All right. right. And Doc Ock totally returns just as he's drowning. <laughs> what was this Electro, all for? same with all of them. <laughs> right. All right. Now all right. I'd rather talk You're about just it. a dark person, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But but yeah, so um, Brian, what do you think about Doctor Strange and, uh, you know, having him in the Spider-Man movie? I mean, you know, at this point in time, clearly you need the the older mentor figure for Peter and everyone. Uh, yeah, from Tony to Fury slash Mysterio to this one being strange. But their, their role does become progressively less with each one. Peter starts standing up to them more and more mm-hmm. and asserting himself more and more to, to the point where this time strange seemed more like a slightly older uncle than than like a father figure um i i, I did <laughs> i mean honestly dr strange's whole role in this movie can be summed down to the fact that magic is great uh, math is greater than magic so you know <laughs> I mean, <laughs> but yeah I, I don't know i mean he was he was fine i the, ooh, the big reveal was that he's no longer sorcerer supreme he never was, was oh yeah it passed yeah, from was. the ancient one to wong and, no, it didn't. Yeah, because he said it, he would have been up for it if he hadn't he been blipped. Blip. But they hadn't <laughs> chosen a new Sorcerer Supreme yet after the Ancient One died. Um, I thought he was the Sorcerer because when Thor came to him, he was the Sorcerer Supreme. In, uh, in Ragnarok? Ragnarok. But it doesn't matter. He got blipped, so he wasn't he got there. Blip, he got blipped, yeah. so he Either lost way, the title. Longer. Because Wong didn't, and basically Wong Yeah, because it doesn't even make any sense for Strange to be the Sorcerer Supreme. I I was still hoping it was still going to be up so that we could have the competition, because that's where I'm hoping they'll introduce Doom. Like, if they introduce Doom as one of the people (laughs) vying for the Sorcerer Supreme, like in the comics, that would be a great way to introduce him, like, so that they don't have to introduce him in the first Fantastic Four movie. I I would love that. So, um, but anyway, who knows? Wong will lose it eventually, and they might have the competition. So, you know. I mean, yeah, all in all, it, Dr. Strange was, I honestly feel like he, they did, again, same thing. They they gave him enough to make him compelling, but 
he was literally just there to serve a purpose and he did you know and to set up his movie i do feel like you have to think about like how all these stories are interacting at the same time this is clearly going on like you said simultaneously to both loki and even though it doesn't matter it's happening to hawkeye uh at the same time as well um christmas in new york you know right i mean when yeah right spider-man flies yeah. past the tree that hawkeye knocks down in his yeah just yeah. yeah. <laughs> plug your ears seems a vitally yeah, important point <laughs> yeah. yeah is hawkeye in the tree at the moment you know, yeah. Going on? <laughs> yeah but yeah i mean um yeah, it's it's just it's all connected. You know, it's a big web, if you will. But yeah. <laughs> all right, I think you're cynical when it comes to Doctor Strange, but that's fine. Mike, what do you think about Doctor Strange? Like the characterization, it fit perfectly into what we've seen of him before, and he, you know, sometimes his ego gets a little bit into the way of what he's doing, and we've. It was interesting because you know I loved how. The banter he was having with Wong, and you know, somebody left the portal open to Siberia, and he says yes, and it wasn't the Saucer Supreme, and it's like I loved so it's like okay, I make mistakes, and it was interesting too because then you know when he was doing the spell because he was doing it as a favor for Peter because they both survived uh, fighting Thanos together, and you know there was supposedly you know, a continuity against each other and everything. And I love that. And then Peter screwing up the spell, you know, was so Peter, it was perfect. But then, you know, I felt like, um, so Dr. Strange is going to become the villain in this and going up against Peter. And it was interesting to see. I did like at towards the end, where, you know, when he was trying to close the breaches and which was so beautifully done, so beautifully done. Even the breaches made like the background like of New York City look like paintings behind it because the breaches were ripping reality apart. And I was trying to, of course, see who was coming through. Oh, is that, you know, Craven the Hunter? Is that blah, 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 you know, all these other characters. And it was interesting though to see that, you know, strange you know, needed extra help to do it. And it was cool. But one thing I did find very interesting was how Peter was able to get back into his own body after his soul had been split from it. Astral form. The astral form. Spirit, astral form. Same thing, folks. But it was just, (laughs) it was neat to see that Peter, though, even though he wasn't in his body, he was able to keep... And I think that had something to do more like with spider senses and such. Yeah, that's the spider sense. He's able to dodge without like having to think about it. So exactly. yeah, that was, yeah, yeah. So, and so, yeah, no, I liked seeing it. And I liked how he wasn't all powerful in it, you know, because in the comics, you're used to a strange being the all powerful Saucer Supreme. He wasn't in this. And it was part of the cause of the movie. And it was just interesting to see. All right, Angie. Yeah, you uh, you wouldn't let me be on the what if episode to scream about Doctor Strange. Just all <laughs> I wanted. Uh, you were on WandaVision, and I said very clearly at the beginning <laughs> of this year that people could only be on one Disney Plus show. Yeah, well, what if hadn't come out yet? Anyway, <laughs> the point is, after what if, I was very scared for 
the characterization of Stephen Strange because it felt like somebody dropped the ball and just like didn't get it anymore. Um, but this this has restored my faith uh, that that they 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 understand Strange. Uh, I love that in this movie about being your own worst enemy. Stephen Strange is also his worst enemy, where he forgets that Peter is a dumb teenager because they both survived the end of the the universe basically, and gets him involved with a thing that he doesn't understand the gravity of and Strange didn't feel the need to explain to him beforehand. So everything broke. And then because he was the Sorcerer Supreme and basically saved the universe, doesn't think Peter is that much of a threat and is kind of messing around with him. And then Peter just wipes the floor with him uh, and locks him away in the mirror dimension and traps him there. And eventually, you know, he would get out. But it's not that I think if I think if Strange had seriously fought him, he would have been fine. But he kept thinking that he's just a dumb kid and underestimating underestimating his ability. So Doctor Strange's hubris um, being kind of one of the main, you know, things maybe he needs to get over to be an effective Sorcerer Supreme was on full display. And I loved it. I thought it was great. I also loved the whole like stepdad vibe that was going on. I thought that was hilarious. I love the snark with Wong. Uh, I love their little, I, I mean, and it was such a brief, obviously, and even the line from the, the trailer wasn't in the film about don't cast a spell, but like, mm-hmm. I just love their brief snark at each other. Um, and then at the end where he's genuinely impressed with peter who caused all of this himself really but he's impressed and he's sad and it it really was just so well done and 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 sold to me so i'm now way back and excited about multiverse of madness because after what if i was terrified so (laughs) i'm so excited for it yeah can i just real quick say though i mean this is what marvel does when they have these guest stars in the movies the same thing with iron man and civil war where they kind of make them dumber or power them down. I mean, Stephen Strange is a brilliant genius, possible Sorcerer Supreme, but he doesn't take five minutes to say, hey, this is a spell. I can alter it to you know, exclude certain people who you want to remember who you are, like myself. And he doesn't do that. I mean, it, it just, it, it's kind of, it really is all on him. You know, MJ is right about that. This, this was all his own doing, you know? <laughs> Well, I mean, he he seems to think that like that like makes it very dangerous, but he is trying to help Peter, so he does keep trying to change it as Alters Peter's it asking him times. to do so. But like, yeah, yeah. But he could have done all that at the beginning. No, I just- know, <laughs> I, I get that, and he, it, there should have been more explanation, I think, up front. But at the same time, I think he was thinking like. Like we're just gonna do this, and everyone's gonna forget. And then Peter kept like being like, "But but can you do one more? One more?" Um, so much better if. Peter would have asked, Doc Strange, can you please make the world forget Mysterio? Yeah. <laughs> and it would have been, you know, some, uh, I've seen that meme. Been over right, like yeah. That. yeah, I've seen that meme. <laughs> that would have been more helpful, yeah. Uh, Peter is a teenager, though. To Strange, I think, he's like, so what if your girlfriend forgets you? Just reintroduce, you're like 17. Yeah. Reintroduce yourself. It's a blip in your life. Like, just right. start. Like, I don't think it even occurs to him how important any of that is to Peter. Because it's so minor. That's what I mean. He he's he's always thinking way up big picture to his own detriment, I think. And that's and they didn't it's not like they called it out in the movie. I thought it was just a nice kind of minor touch about the personality of Doctor Strange and what he's gonna have to maybe get over to be the most effective, the best well, of and, us. And frankly, from all evidence we have of his personal life, he has no strong connections to anyone but Rachel. Like that was the only person he had any kind of connection to. So I don't think he really like has like 
like values like personal connections like that because it was always about his career we don't know about his childhood or his family life or anything like that in the mcu but like it seems like he might be somebody with no family and never really made strong friends so like yeah i mean i, I don't i don't think he thinks in those terms or he's just hypocritical about it i mean he's got different <laughs> rules for himself than he does for everyone else you know but destroy the universe to get what he wants but you know <laughs> yep oh and i well i do think that people that got mad at what if forgot the nature of what if that because of the different circumstances in people's life they turn out to be different people one, one but way, that's the whole if other- they had changed the title of that episode i would have no screaming to do but it, okay. as it as it stands it's the worst so let's okay. <laughs> all right all right. I, I disagree. I hated Party Thor, but we digress. <laughs> <laughs> We're not talking about what if. All right. All right. I absolutely loved, I mean, Angie, Angie's hit it. This this was like a great like sequel. Like John Watts definitely loved Doctor Strange. I mean, it is clear to me he loved Doctor Strange. The amount of care that went into making sure that he's like the character felt the same as well as even including so this is one of the things that annoyed me to no end in infinity war we have doctor strange but we don't have the doctor strange theme which has been the best theme in all of the mcu and they didn't use it at all in infinity war and not once in infinity war did doctor strange lock someone in the mirror dimension which would have been smart with thanos's children or any of that kind of stuff but it's like here it's like yeah we're using the whole you know, panoply of things we've seen that Doctor Strange can do. We're, you know, we're, we're doing all of that stuff. We're including the music. We even do the Spider-Man theme with the Doctor Strange instruments, yeah. which had me just squee, you know, because again, I think that that score has been the best score in the MCU. And so having Michael Giacchino doing the score um, for this movie and having Doctor Strange in it was all great. Loved all the visuals, loved the moral quandary because I love the fact that, you know, like again it's like dr strange is trying you know his whole remit is to protect the universe from extra you know things outside the universe you know whether it's extra dimensional extra multivert you know like whatever that's his whole remit and so you know now that's that's you know become the problem and that's the thing that he has to take care of and that's all that he can see he doesn't want to think about these people can change or whatever he's just gonna fix the problem because he's thinking worst case scenario and so i liked that and i liked that it felt like a real conflict and a legitimate conflict but i did also like the fact that like yeah like peter's not phased by the mirror dimension because a spidey sense and b geometry which you know if you're one of these people that really loves math (laughs) You know, I guess it works, you know, um, but I but I felt like that worked, too. And it like, again, it was an understanding of the both the characters that were involved in it. Um, and yeah. And and yeah, I, I love the reveal that Wong was the Sorcerer Supreme, because if they did have that line in Ragnarok, I think that it's goofy. Strange was just made the head of the New York Sanctum at the end of his movie. He was not put in charge of Karmatage. So to me, it's like, yeah, he's not Sorcerer Supreme yet. And so I felt like that's a step that should be taken in a future movie rather than something that, you know, just happens, you know. In in this movie, Peter just says, I thought you were. So at least at some point he gave the impression 
to Peter that he was the Sorcerer Supreme. Right. And and it's, I mean, maybe, I mean, and maybe I, I don't remember the line in Ragnarok, <laughs> but maybe that was said in a movie, but I think that's them backpedaling because I think the writers even realized that it would be too early since Strange just learned magic like a couple of years ago for him, for him to be the Sorcerer Supreme already. So I like that. I, I like that because especially since they've established there are so many sorcerers in the MCU. Now I think that's going to change after the next movie, but you know, at least now there's like, there's like whole like buildings full of like, you know, hundreds of sorcerers. Um, so yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll see how all that goes, but yeah, I, I loved having strange in this. I, I loved his humor. You know, I, I just absolutely, you know, liked it all. So yeah. Um, uh, but, uh, but yeah, so let's talk about our villains because again, that's another like sort of blast from the past um kind of element uh to this movie did you like how they were depicted um you know uh the the return of all these characters from these different movies um let's start with you on this one angie yeah i mean i don't want to say the villains were the weakest part of the movie for me um they they were the thing that moved the they moved the plot along adequately i didn't feel for them as care, except for Alfred Molina, but part of me wonders if that's just part of the force of personality of Alfred Molina. Um, you know, they didn't, to me, they were the means to the end. Uh, and and the end was much more about Spider-Man's themselves <laughs> and how they're interacting and with the world. Um, so they, it was fine. I mean, I actually did enjoy their banter with each other, talking about their various failures, you know, and snarking. And, and I imagine that if there was a Sinister Six movie, there would be a lot more of that and I would enjoy it. But as, you know, as, as presented, I didn't feel like they were overly, hmm, well, they're, they're not Michael B. Jordan. Let's put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair. <laughs> All right. Mike, what do you think about the return of the villains? I would have been surprised by it because they had it splashed pretty much all over the trailers, all over the poster, and I would have loved to see it. Uh, I thought it was amazing to see William Defoe just as scary looking without his mask on as he does with his mask on, and he acted up a storm in this. He was amazing. Alfred Molina was amazing as Doc Ock. The others, I could care less, truthfully. And that's the sad part about it. You know, Lizard, I couldn't, I couldn't even remember many of the, any of the real scenes with him. Jamie Foxx's Electro was very generic for me. I liked him in Spider-Man 2, but I didn't really care for him in this one. Um, Sandman was okay, but, you know, I love the scene where they thought the tree was a villain. You know, it, <laughs> it was, it was totally awesome. But as a whole, I thought the two big names was Doc Ock and Green Goblin in this. And, you know, it was amazing to see. And I also put J. Jonah Jameson mm. as a villain in this too. So, you know, equally, I would have loved to see, like, at the end, J. Jonah Jameson bitching and moaning about Spider-Man and Spider-Man to swing down and swing him with the, hit him in the face with the web or something like that, like he used to in the comic or something. It would have been awesome. But I think 
I would have liked more of the surprise thing. They even the intro on the bridge with Doc Ock, that was all shown already. They showed that in the trailer. Mm-hmm. Hello, Peter. You know, and it was just like I would have loved to have been surprised as heck. All of a sudden, he's you know trying to talk to the college admissions person, and the bridge starts shaking, and you see the tentacles come up. I would have been like, "Oh my god, that's Doc Ock! It's awesome!" You know, and you know it would have been great for that, but it didn't. It was like, "Huh, oh, Doc Ock! I saw this," and it played out pretty much until Peter got to take over his arms with the um, nanotech, and that was just as fun. And did I like it? Yeah, but and did I like what they did? It was okay, but you know. I would have loved to seen more villains or surprise. I would have loved to have seen a surprise if, like, you know, they down, you know, in the trailer they would have shown the five that they had, but it would have been great to see a six like Craven the Hunter or Vulture come back as Michael Keaton. It would have been great with that. I've been joking and saying that Vulture shows up at the end and says, "Let me tell you about the Sinister Initiative." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah um yeah i mean the funny thing about william defoe is you know everyone's complained about that mask and how awful it looked in, in the first spider-man movie his face actually works better as a green goblin <laughs> mask than the mask that they crafted the thing with it though it was really cool when he came back you know in the final scene he was wearing the hoodie and everything mm-hmm. he looked more like hobgoblin there than mm. he did, you know, and I thought that was a great look for him. I, I'm kind of okay like, with them not giving him the elf hat, <laughs> you know, so um, I'm, I think that's an okay choice. I think so. I agree. <laughs> um, Ryan, what do you think about the uh, returning villains? Oh, I, I I agree. Defoe steals any scene he's in. Um, and honestly, uh, half the time when he was Green Goblin, I was curious are they even using de-aging on him or not? I mean, it's just, that's how scary he is. Um, but it's also a testament to like to the technology where, yeah, they de-aged Alfred Molina. I mean, all these guys and like, it, wow, it's getting better and better. I can't wait to see, uh, might as well have uh, um, Hank, uh, early Hank Pym movie next, you know? Sure, with Michael Douglas. Um, but as far as the, the actual villains go, I kind of agree and I disagree. I, I feel like, what was there anything unpredictable about no it was pretty much exactly what i was expecting but but it was they were only there to for peter or the peters i guess um to teach him that you have to do what's right uh, you know above all else they they all got a little bit of time we we i did i did love their interactions and and we did learn if nothing else to in the mcu to watch where you're running because you know <laughs> i mean it, it's all who knows what you can fall into uh, apparently no one covers anything uh, in these places um but, my wife yeah. was laughing about the incredibly weak <laughs> floors in Happy's apartment where just by the weight of, you know, Peter yeah. and, and, <laughs> and Norman's, you know, falling on a floor, the floor caved in and they kept falling. And it's like, they shouldn't weigh that much. <laughs> you know, I, yeah, I, 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 honestly, I felt the same thing. I mean, because what it was, was, you know, Norman grabbed Peter and threw him down onto the floor and they went down like 10 floors. But then later on, uh, Peter grabbed Norman and threw him onto the shield you know, in, in uh, the water and the shield just, it should have like boom, flipped over. <laughs> but, no, you know, but I mean, but really, I mean, ultimately the villains were also there to serve the purpose of um, 
being cured. Mm-hmm. And apparently, I, I guess one of the the lessons we should take from from the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield movies are that becoming a supervillain. And I kind of made this point with the meta humans and and Flash is that these are otherwise decent good people but the moment the moment they get their powers they're like there's a chemical imbalance or microchip fries their brain or whatever but then they're just it it messes them up and this was their chance to be to be cured and we find out that hey underneath all that you know these are just actually you know mostly good people um so yeah i take issue with 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 anyone who says that norman was already a good was a good person (laughs) in telly because if you watch that movie he stole that tech and was willing to like you know go do all that before he got injected with the serum so i don't know it was like (laughs) he wasn't like murderously evil Mm. how about that (laughs) there are degrees but yeah norman (laughs) was still not a great person like even before no no not a great not yeah fair enough you know it's kind of even a bad father when you think right yeah exactly yeah but you know i was thinking about and if you count the venom scene we did get the sinister six we had six villains uh in this film you know it's and it might be the only time we're ever going to get that so i'll just take it that's fine (laughs) um i was slightly disappointed to learn that there's no oscorp in the mcu um so you know that's been one of the big theories about who bought stark tower was people were thinking norman osborne bought stark tower which you know obviously like nobody even heard of like when he showed up and said he's Norman, the people weren't saying like wait you're not norman osborne we know who norman you know so again like that's an unheard of name in the mcu so yeah they're not yeah it's probably because sony probably still like owns that name and so like it's one of those licensing things of it's not hmm. part of the deal they've made with Marvel to use Norman Osborn. Outside so yeah, outside of in the Spider-Man. Yeah. So again, it's, yeah. There's a certain logic to that. So I guess the leading theory there is that's um, the Baxter building or going to be the new Baxter building or something. Um, but yeah, I, so I was a little disappointed about that, but uh, otherwise, um, and I still never quite understood why Jamie Foxx, why Electro looked so much better in this universe, I, I've, I, you know, then in the, his. This universe tastes better than his old universe, yeah, I, apparently. And it fixed it's... his teeth and hair, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> you know? Sure, why not? You know? <laughs> he got a better costume design in this universe. I, let me tell you, that's one of the things I really yeah. liked was that he looked like Electro from the, like, when they had it, when he was using the electricity, it would create, like, the the electrical halo around his face, and so it looked like the electric thing, like, that. his costume is ridiculous, like, like, in the comics, it's ridiculous, but it was nice that they paid, you know, homage to it with the way that, like, would fringe his his face when he was using his powers. I I appreciated that. Um, It looked better than the all-electric version of him in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, The Dr. Manhattan version. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, So, yeah, Jess, what do you think about the, uh, well, for you, two of them were like complete unknowns, but what do you think about the uh, villains in this? That's, that's true, but I I caught on pretty quick because I knew who the other ones were. So, Mm. anyways, um, I mean, I I agree with pretty much everything that everyone has said. Um, Willem Dafoe stills anything that he is in and i just i love him as an actor and so i i was super excited even though like i knew he was coming back it just i just was so excited just to see him on the screen again and to especially to see him play the green goblin because i do really think that he kind of like knocks that portrayal out of the park um and he had a bigger part as as insta him and doc ock had the biggest parts of, for the villains so i i enjoyed that because i, I think they're the the best two actors they were the best two villains for me for sure. They were also the ones that I knew. So maybe that was why, <laughs> but, um, 
So I really enjoyed that. And then the whole cure storyline was kind of interesting to me. I also, you know, kind of got some flashbacks to the flash, uh, no pun intended or pun intended, I guess. Um, and so it, it very much mirrored their whole like a Medicare storyline, which I'm sure was unintentional, but um, it just kind of like brought that in and just like that whole conundrum. They didn't really seem to ever stop to think like, Hey, these people don't really, maybe they don't like want to be cured. We're just going to take it upon ourselves to cure them. And then voila, they're going to be like these amazing people because they're no longer super villains. So I would, I would say that that part was kind of interesting for me. There was, there was a discussion of not sending them back to die, but there wasn't really a discussion of like stripping them of their identities, essentially with their powers and everything. So no. Yeah, they no. would have had time for that in the movie, but it just, yeah, because it was done so recently on the flash, it just kind of was. In yeah. No, I, I was, I was seeing the parallels too, with the story too. And again, I'm just like better writing, like, you know, it's like better writing covers a multitude of sins. Um, but yeah, I like, yeah, again, William Defoe was great in this Alfred Molina. Like, like I say, I never really liked his version of Doc Ock because I didn't feel like it was Doc Ock, but. I felt like for his function within the movie, you know, and it made sense based on the character that they had created for Spider-Man 2, you know, like how his story progressed of sort of fixing the fact that he was actually a nice guy that was controlled by these robotic arms. And, you know, so just make sure that you put the, the limiter back in place so the arms can't control him anymore. And he becomes a nice guy again. And, you know, and so, cause I kept thinking during the fight, I was like, you know, I was like, wait a minute, like, we should at least have some of these villains fighting each other because like their agendas are different. Like Marco wants to go back. So like he should be fighting the others, but instead he's like fighting the Spider-Man just like the rest of them. But then I was like, oh, okay, but like Ock hasn't appeared yet. And that's, he's going to be the one that sides with them. And so when he showed up, I was, I was fairly confident that that's what was going to happen. But like, you know, I did, I did like that, you know, sort of through line. I like the fact that they were able to give some, some closure to, you know, some of these stories you know, some of them didn't need closure, but again, it's like, it's <laughs> Marvel's Marvel's taking a stand more so than the previous licensees where it was pretty common for you introduce a villain, you kill off the villain. You introduce it, unless you're Magneto, you kill off the villain at the end of the movie. <laughs> like that's, that's the rule. And I'm kind of glad that Marvel's kind of saying like, you know, we've done that a few times, but you know, we're kind of like saying like, no, nah, that's not the right way to go. Like, we're not going to do that. And in fact, we're going to say in these previous movies, they shouldn't have done that. And so I kind of like that too. Cause again, it sort of fits with the optimistic nature of a Spider-Man story without getting into the sappy territory that some other superhero properties <clears throat> also on the CW might sometimes get into. So uh, <laughs> Like they might actually understand like what these words mean, like hope and, you know, uh, second chances rather than just throwing them out as words without any context behind them. Um, but uh, but yeah. Um, so the last thing that I want to talk about before we talk about the future is what did you think about this just as a purely Spider-Man story? as well as sort of how that ties into just sort of the implications for the universe. So like how, so, so I'll start with this one. Like I've already said that I thought that it was a very Spider-Man story, like in the way that it ends, you know, Peter making the decision of self-sacrifice both with, you know, initially deciding that even though he's trying to avoid the, because my wife kept saying like, well, the title made no sense for the movie because there obviously was a way home. The villains got to go home. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what no way home meant. 
no way home meant there was no way for Peter to get back. There was no way for Peter to press the reset button and have things go back to the way they were. That was the no way home. And that was, this movie was about accepting that, that at the end of the movie, it was like, you know, since he had asked for the thing for Dr. Strange to do the mind wipe, he had to allow the thing to happen. And, you know, so there was that self-sacrifice, but then also the self-sacrifice of not dragging his friends you know, into it. And from that standpoint, I felt like this was really good. I like the back to basics nature of where we leave Peter, because one of the things that, again, I felt like they've been covering with good writing, but I really kind of, but another part of me is always like this whole iron spider thing that they're doing with Spider-Man doesn't feel like Spider-Man to me. Spider-Man's a street level hero. You know, like this thing where Spider-Man's got an iron suit and he goes into space a lot and hangs out with the Avengers. It's like, that doesn't feel like Spider-Man to me. It's been well-written, so I've been along for the ride. But I, you know, I wanted this. This seems like they're going back. He's making his costumes on a sewing machine. Don't overthink it, people. I realize you can't really make that costume with just a sewing machine. (laughs) I have a cosplay wife. who complains about how these costumes are depicted. But anyway. Um, but she's okay making web fluids in a school lab. <laughs> <laughs> He's a genius. But, um, but, uh, but yeah, but I like that. The idea of he's, he's going to be stuck in a dingy rat infested apartment that obviously doesn't ask for ID or anything. So like, it must be like the lowest of the low rent, you know, districts he's making his own costumes and all that. Like, I'm like, yeah, I want this Spider-Man movie. Um, and so I think that's really good. And, you know, the other thing is I, I, I realized that Marvel has started doing it too. It used to be just a DC thing with the reboots. Stanley famously said, we don't need to do reboots because we got it right the first time. And I kind of hated the fact that Marvel started like with no way or uh, one fine day or whatever it was called, um, you know, and, 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 and since then Marvel has done reboots because I feel like it's lazy storytelling to just wave a magic wand and say, these details of the universe have changed, but they don't affect these other details within the universe. You know, like, I feel like it's kind of lazy you know, storytelling, but again, it's so well-written. And since it got Spider-Man back to a point that I like, I I really like, you know, so I'm kind of fine with that in this movie, even though, again, I I don't like the reboot nature. I don't like the, we wave a hand and reality is just different, you know, kind of thing. Um, But yeah, so thoughts on that, like thoughts on this as a Spider-Man movie and sort of thoughts as far as like Marvel and how Marvel is impacted by this. Um, And uh, let's start with you on this one, Mike. Interesting, because, you know, I've been reading Spider-Man since I was a little kid and followed it probably until probably about five, six years ago. And it was interesting to see Peter, I think, become the Spider-Man that he was always destined to become, that he didn't have any crutches to fall back on anymore. All that's gone. The Stark technology, he's now back basically with the blue and red suit. And he's, you know, on his own. He doesn't have the guy in the van. He doesn't have MJ. He doesn't have Aunt May. He doesn't have anybody anymore. This is just him going out to be a vigilante and helping people the way he always was meant to be. And I loved seeing that. And it was awesome to for Peter to be in that 
position that he doesn't have anyone else to turn to. He basically has no money. He has no identity. He had to fall back and live in, like you had said, Nathan, he didn't have to show an ID to get an apartment. And he basically, you know, I want to know where all his stuff came from. You know, was it at Aunt May's place or did he have to go out and buy all that stuff all over again since everything was wiped out? You know, all his personal stuff. I just figure he sifted through the wreckage and found a few things. Probably, possibly, or you don't know. And I, I think this is a perfect, you know, starting point for him. This is, you know, he could still, you know, Spider-Man's an established character still in the MCU. He was an Avenger. He was. Everyone knows who Spider-Man is. They just don't know he's Peter Parker anymore. And you know, he could still pop up in the future Avengers movie as an Avenger, but. I don't think it would be the same meaning because he doesn't have Tony as a mentor. He doesn't have, you know, all that type of thing. And it's, just, I think it's pretty awesome. Okay. Um, Jess. Yeah. Um, let's see. As, as a Spider-Man movie, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was um, like, it fit with the tone, but it, in a lot of ways it took it back to basics at the very end, which was kind of weird because it, sort of feels like a reboot almost like, and I don't know if that's exactly where they were going with it, but I mean, they kind of stripped away everything from him. They, you know, they stripped away his identity essentially. I mean, yes, he is Spider-Man, but nobody knows who he, Peter Parker, like as a person is, um, Aunt May is gone and his team is gone. Um, and so now, you know, he's a lot of people have kind of called him his own worst enemy and, you know, he's always, I mean, it's Peter Parker. So I feel like they've finally gotten him to kind of like that point. Um, and so I, I think it's really interesting to see where it goes from here. So I guess like in that respect, it doesn't necessarily feel like a reboot so much as like a rebirth is not the right way to put that. That just reminds me of DC Comics, but <laughs> it kind of feels like they've actually like, you know, given birth to more of like a traditional Peter Parker. Whereas like you said before, Nathan, he's they've had a lot of the Iron Man elements, the Iron Man technology, a lot of the things that has made it feel like Iron Spider, not so much Spider-Man. And so while I like those elements and I like what they've done with it and the take they've taken, especially the spin that Tom Holland has given Peter Parker, I've really enjoyed all of that. But I am kind of curious to see how they move on from here and maybe make him more traditionally Spider-Man. Yeah, it's actually funny. We've been talking about the Flash TV show, but another thing that this reminded me of is my friend Sean made me read a run of Flash comics. And this actually happened in the Flash comics at one point where Flash had um, um, a a character wipe everybody's minds of who he was. And it's funny enough, Batman's the one who figured it out because he's like, I looked for where the gaps were. Like the things we didn't know were the clues that led me to where you were. (laughs) So it'll be interesting if somebody does that in this also to find figure out who he is but um angie um what did you think about uh you know this movie as a spider-man movie and, and sort of the implications for the mcu yeah i was actually reading online and i've forgotten where so i can't um attribute it but uh, the idea that the tom holland trilogy was his origin story it is the origin story of spider-man mm. and i love that because i wish it was mine that's why <laughs> but the caveat is it's not i'm not that smart um 
I love that because up until this point with the Marvel movies, we've kind of abandoned the idea of a secret identity, really. I mean, none of them, you know, Thor is the god of thunder. How secret do you need to be with him? Um, But, you know, we had very wealthy people, kind of godly people. We had super spies that like transcend the need for a secret identity. I get that one's more problematic, but (laughs) you have... You, you really have had situations where none of these characters especially needed to have a secret identity. Mm-hmm. But now we're getting to the point with the Marvel Universe where a secret identity is re- required, right? It took 10 minutes of the beginning of this movie to see just how bad life is for poor Peter Parker when everybody knows who he is. You know, having a secret identity was key for him within his situation. And so, you know, and I appreciated Matt Murdock showing up because really it is a street level thing, right? When you are worried about how to feed yourself, having people know your secret identity is a liability. Um, And so I think we're going to see more of that and see that aspect that has been kind of ignored just by circumstance in the MCU up until now. So I'm really excited about that. I think, yeah, in that way, you know, if you consider this, this is the backstory, right? All the way up until Uncle Ben dying, which is their own take on it. But this is the origin of the Spider-Man that we expect. This is this is Spider-Man going forward. I, and I really like that take. Very cool. Uh, and Ryan? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not gonna disagree with any of this. Um, it. Spider-Man had gotten too powerful too fast uh, in the MCU. He showed up basically within a, a Stark-designed suit. Um, and this was, uh, uh, I think, the, the way it occurred to me a couple of seconds ago, but it's more of a soft retcon than, uh, than, than a you know, reboot. Um, they're returning him to where he he needs to be to, to be that street level uh, villain. It's all. Or, uh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> only, only You're thinking himself. of Barry Allen from the CW <laughs> yeah. again. Yeah. But you know, it's um, it's also kind of like a rite of passage uh, type. He, the, the, when the movie started, you know, Mysterio had just happened. Summer had just ended, and they, they started his senior year. He's out of high school, or at least about to get his GED now. It went from I get from like. Labor Day weekend dish to Christmas uh, over the course of this movie, although the bulk of it only happened within like two days um, in the middle. And but in that time, Peter lost his guardian, lost his girlfriend, lost his best friend, lost his entire support system, lost his home, probably had to sell all of his Legos for any sort of cash. Um, and that's, he, he's an adult now, you know, I mean, the next the next movie is going to be him figuring out how to pay rent it's gonna be him you know he's yeah he, he learned had to, probably had to learn how to use that sewing machine uh to make his costume and this is where he should be this is where what we were missing in in the other mcu mcu spider-man movies we got that feeling from the toby Maguire ones we got them from uh, to a lesser degree to, from the andrew garfield ones um and now we're going to get them going forward uh in, in the mcu ones and it was fine not having them in the mcu ones until now because we kind of in our head we took the feelings from the toby mcguire ones and kind of substituted that it's like why we never had to see uncle ben die because we'd seen it before we've seen peter be a starving student before you know it wasn't a, a that big a deal but now we get to see it in the shadow of the baxter boating or in the shadow of the avengers or or the mcu as a whole um and beyond that it's got i think greater ramifications for the mcu uh in general i mean like is stark enterprises still around i mean the government confidence i mean their drones blew up, you know, like part of London, you know, there, there's going to be so many investigations and so much tech was confiscated. Like what? 
Armors. Armor. Yeah, probably. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Ironheart both, you know? Um, so I'll be curious to see where, where it definitely goes with that. Because um, the government is going to be one of those entities that has Stark tech that shouldn't have Stark tech. So that's going oh, well, to be, yeah, so it's going to be both criminals too. and yeah. the government. So yeah, I Rhodey's going to have crazy. a lot of work to do getting rid of all that. <laughs> and, you know, and frankly speaking, he's wearing like a Mark four you know, <laughs> you know so yeah good luck there good luck there already but it, it, it uh i mean it, it, this movie you, you ask is it a spider-man movie it's three times a spider-man movie literally three times a spider-man movie um and i'm just I, I i don't know i mean i'm looking it owes so much strangely enough to into the spider-verse they if, yeah. if into the spider-verse hadn't been a success no one would even have approached uh, this was uh, going to be a craven movie they've said it if it like into the spider-verse changed this movie it was going to be a craven movie craven hunting spider-man yeah and and i'm i'm almost positive i saw craven in that split in the multiverse Mm -hmm. too for a second there's a dude who looked like he had fur on in a spear or something like that Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. so yeah and i'm sure he'll be in the next spider-man the next trilogy which will be i don't know not it won't be home it'll be something else running through all three movies probably but yeah so i i this was complete fan service probably the most fan service the mcu's done since endgame and i'm fine with it you know <laughs> um and the last thing i want to say is like you mentioned john you mentioned watts uh not knowing dr strange and he got spider-man right and he's not going to be doing the next trilogy he's going to be doing fantastic four and so i mean these these three spider-man movies had made have made me look forward to and confident and believe we could get a good fantastic four movie in a way that i would not have thought um otherwise the other thing i was thinking is i'm pretty sure this is the only director that has done a trilogy of movies for a single character or single property i was thinking about the other properties and i don't think we've had a single director do three before you know whedon did two avengers movies the russos did two avengers movies you know like and and then like captain america's had different directors thor's had different directors you know iron man had different directors so um oh i guess you won but three hasn't come out yet but you're right that that will be another case once guardians three comes out um but but it's two but so far spider-man is the only one that has had three like a full trilogy by one director so it's been a cohesive vision which i think has also helped make this feel like this is like and you said this can feel like a single origin story because it has been one director sort of overseeing the whole arc so yeah i i think that that's that's been a good thing for this also um but yeah so my final question uh is going to be um you know again what do we want to see from spider-man you know moving forward and what do we want to see um you know, what are we hoping to see in uh, Doctor Strange uh, moving forward? Um, so uh, let's start with you on this one, Ryan. Um, well, I mean, Doctor Strange, we're obviously going to get, you know, Multiverse of Madness. We're going to get see uh, Wanda back. Um, you know, honestly, uh, Strange doesn't make sound in Doctor Strange. I wouldn't, I hate myself for saying this, but I kind of want uh you know ned to be to show up in doctor strange uh just just you know some resolution he shows up at carmartage to be taught magic well not necessarily (laughs) there but you know in new york you know i mean yeah maybe he teach me 
<laughs> yeah, and maybe when Strange doesn't, someone else offers to who we've seen in the trailer. I don't know, you know. I mean, um, but yeah. So because no, Mordo's really... whole thing now is no more sorcerers. So I, yeah, I don't think he's going to teach anybody. Yeah, well, maybe, but maybe he won't as a means to an end. Who knows? Mm. Um, I, I am looking forward to to the next Doctor Strange movie. Absolutely. I mean, uh, and it's just going to be building up to this, building up to the multiverse, 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 which is apparently like phase four's running theme, which I'm absolutely fine with. Um, as far as Spider-Man goes, uh, yeah, man, I want him, I, I, you know, the, the second one, he was in Europe. The, this one, it was kind of like the, again, the other Spider-Mans and, and mostly took place in Queens. I want the next one, him in gritty Manhattan. I want him, you know, fighting, yeah, Craven would be nice or, or any sort of like street level, just like trying to survive and getting beaten up and bloody and not having these big thoughts of being an adventure. I want him, yeah, trying to make it to his community college class or even, I know Toby McGuire did it, but like delivering pizzas or whatever, you know, just uh, trying to make a life for himself on his own and still be a good guy that we know he is. Nah, you know he's going to be like uh, like a YouTuber or something, <laughs> like have some well, sort of identity for Spider-Man videos. And so well, that, that's just it. I mean, he's got to have a connection to the Bugle. He's right, gotta have, exactly. He's got to meet J. Jonah somehow. Right. So yeah, maybe he'll, he will be a vlogger or something like that. I mean, maybe instead of still pictures of Spider-Man, we'll start getting yeah, the, videos. The videos, yeah. right. Yeah, like camera, you know, the smart cam or smartphone videos of Spider-Man. Yeah, like, exactly. yeah. I, I, that's how you could modernize it anyway and still keep it traditional um but uh but yeah um jess things that you want to see moving forward either for spider-man or in dr strange uh i'll go i guess i'll go with both i'll start with spider-man i mean i kind of said it before it felt like they're stripping um him and back to basics and so that's what i want to see i want to see it focused on your you know friendly neighborhood spider-man and keep it more local and not have all of these like global things coming in and maybe not have as much avenger stuff coming in and just kind of truly kind of you know get back and just have his own his own movie now that he's I guess more of the Spider-Man we expect and not, you know, like, I mean, cause he, his original movie, I guess, wasn't super big into like all the Avengers stuff, but it did start leading into that. And there's a bunch of tie-ins. So I, I would kind of like it to almost stand on its own and uh, we can kind of get to see him figuring out his new life and figuring out, you know, how to do things on his own, or maybe realizing that he shouldn't do things on his own. I don't know. I, I could go either way with that. So, um, and as far as Dr. Strange goes, like anything having to do with the multiverse, like I think we've, uh, it, me and my husband, we've been excited for Dr. Strange too, since like before all of the DC, um, DC, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, the <laughs> Disney Plus series started coming out and each one of those that has tied into it has kind of just like added to that excitement. So I'm really looking forward to what they're going to do with it. And I, I really hope I'm like not overhyping it in my head. <laughs> And then I'm not just like disappointed. Um, but yeah, I've been looking forward to that movie for quite some time. So. All right. And uh, Mike. Everyone else I've been, you know, contemplating where I'd like to see this all go. I could totally see Peter somehow getting involved with J. Jonah Jameson and doing some kind of blog for him or, Hey, here's a secret video of Pete of Spider-Man saving a bank or you're rescuing people from a running bus and you know all these things and you know just like the old days you'd put a gopro or something you know to film him doing 
all that and Jameson like eating it up. Oh, this is great. You know, I could really turn this against Spider-Man or whatever. And it's, it's just awesome. I could totally see that for villain for the next one. I like what Ryan said, something like a Craven the Hunter or dare I say it, Kingpin possibly, you know, cause Kingpin was originally a Spider-Man villain and I could totally see that happening. I'm glad they didn't bring him into this film because it's also a little too close to Into the Spider-Verse and, you know, with Kingpin. So I think after this, you know, if you want to see Spider-Man, you know, getting into the, you know, being the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, what's the worst thing that could happen? Getting involved with organized crime. And there's the whole thing. I could even see something like the Punisher getting involved or, you know, there's... So you had Matt Murdock in this. Why not some more Daredevil and such, possibly? You know, another street-level hero, I mean, taking on the villains. I could totally see that. And there's a lot of possibilities with that kind of stuff happening. But, you know, and I hope they stay away from the Clone Saga. I hope <laughs> to God they stay away from that. Well, nobody, oh, well, God, they clone Aunt May, I guess. You know, because I was yeah, thinking, well, wait, exactly. there's no Gwen Stacy to clone. Oh, no, they would clone Aunt May. No, yeah, I don't exactly. want that. Yeah, didn't you hear? Marissa signed another Or clone Tony. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> I could see Stark Industries doing something like that. <sighs> so, yeah, no. no more I, clones. I clones, no, 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 no. no. So, but yeah, there's a lot of possibilities and there's going to be a lot of fun, fingers crossed. So, you know, I'm Spider-Man is a fun character. He just always is down on his luck. And, you know, he, you know, we're going to see finally, you know, Spider-Man not being welcomed by the police and, you know, and being chased after and, you know, stuff like that, just like, in, you know, he's supposed to be. So... It's going to be awesome. You're going to have people who support him and people who don't, just like we saw with him in this film, you know, with Peter at the school, you know, people protesting or people supporting him. You had that in the comics, you know. Spider-Man's a hero. Spider-Man's this. No, Sp J. Jonah Jameson said Spider-Man's a menace. And you had all that. So it'll be very interesting to see where it goes. All right, Angie? Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of figured with Matt showing up, so now we know, Netflix series are all canon too. Hurrah. Or at least a version of Matt in the multiverse is in the MCU. Sure. It does not mean yeah. the Netflix shows sure. are, you know, because that's been one of the things that people have been debating. <laughs> so the, my point is, I, I kind of figured instead of going the reporter route, since, you know, the world is not the same as it was when Spider-Man was conceived of. And J. Jonah doesn't seem to have that sort of clout. Like, I guess maybe he could pay him for... Anyway, I just figured with Matt showing up, like... He, they might go the the private in investigator angle, right? I, I don't necessarily need them to bring Jessica Jones in. It would be fun for me. But, you know, the idea that he could use his skills in that sort of way, like Jessica does, I think they've got an in for that. I think that would be interesting to see. And it also gives him something to do that's believable that we don't have to take an entire film watching develop. You know, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory. Um, I, I too think Kingpin seems like the obvious way to go, even though Spider-Verse did it. Uh, I just think that, you know, 
yeah, we're, we're taking the stakes back down, but he's Peter Parker. He's going to have to back into something where he's way over his head in at some point. And where is he going to, where is he going to stumble on that? I think, I think Kingpin's the natural progression of that. Um, I personally also would love it if they'd bring in miles, even if it's just miles and not as, um, you know, anything further, right. Just as an introduction. I don't know my kid. Um, there's like the, the kid show on Disney plus the Spidey and his amazing friends that I've now yes. watched all of the episodes. Cause my kid is, it's his favorite show. Um, and I kind of like it. I mean, I don't, I, I like, it's maybe it's just my bleeding heart that I can't stand that Peter just never catches a break. And it's so nice to see him with friends. <laughs> um, you know, but I, I wouldn't mind seeing seeing some sort of incarnation of that either. It does seem like, you know, the the mouse is kind of kind of pushing for team ups, at least for younger fans. So I wouldn't mind seeing something like that either. Yeah. Um, yeah, so for me, um, so thinking about, you know, things, the ways that this can go. So first off, I am a little disappointed only in the sense that I was really hoping for the thing where Tombs knows who Peter was to pay off. And obviously now that's never going to pay off because Tombs doesn't know who he is anymore. And I was, I was hoping for that to go somewhere, even though he might appear again, you know, as an antagonist, but, um, but what the thing that was teased in the first Spider-Man movie that hasn't gotten a payoff yet is the Scorpion. And yeah. I think with Jonah gunning for P for Spider-Man, and Jonah being the one that funds the creation of the Scorpion, that's a character that hasn't been done in any version yet, you know, in any live action yet. I would love to see the Scorpion. And that's also one of the classic, um, you know, Lee Ditko villains that hasn't been done yet. I would really love to see the Scorpion uh, as the next Spider-Man villain. I certainly think involving the Kingpin in, in you know, like if there's going to be a new trilogy, which has been the thing people have been saying, you know, like as as one of the players in the Spider-Man trilogy would be a good thing. And, but certainly though, I don't want it to be the main like villain, like that Spider-Man fights. Like I, I felt like both Netflix and uh, his brief appearance in something that I can't mention right now because of people we have. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they have him be like he gets his own hands dirty too much and that's not the kingpin i want it to be something where he only fights if somebody comes to his place and attacks him and then he shows off his super strength and all that so that it still means that even if kingpin's involved we need another villain in that movie so maybe kingpin hires craven in another movie uh to hunt spider-man or something but again yeah if we're gonna have kingpin i want there to be something uh, somebody else uh there was the mid credit scene where you know we established that venom left a piece of himself behind but obviously since sony is going to keep doing these eddie brock venom movies because of how well they're doing i'm thinking even though this happened after i stopped reading comics that maybe they're going to do the flash thompson version of venom in the mcu with that symbiont piece that was um left behind uh and so that might come into things uh as part of that trilogy also because otherwise that post that mid-credit scene had no meaning um so i think that there must be a plan somewhere with that uh also though peter's romantic life which has also been a big deal but we've already so we've already done a version of betty brant in the mcu we've done a version of mj in the mcu gwen was taken with the amazing spider-man and so you start thinking who else who hasn't been really dealt with and yeah, although she was kind of teased in the amazing spider-man movies we never really got the payoff i think we might see black cat in this trilogy, especially since Black Cat is a person who falls in love with Spider-Man, not with Peter Parker. So again, it sort of like inverts the normal thing of Peter has a girlfriend in his regular identity, 
but then who doesn't know about his Spider-Man identity. Now we have somebody in love with him as Spider-Man who doesn't really care about his civilian identity or any of that. So uh, I would not mind seeing Black Cat show up in this uh, impending trilogy. So those are sort of my thoughts, you know, of, of things that, you know, I either think are coming or that I would like to see there. Um, with Doctor Strange, I have a little trepidation. Uh, I am kind of, uh, I don't think Sam Raimi and his style is going to be consistent with the original Doctor Strange movie. A um, little worried it's going to be a little too campy for me. Um, you know, I don't like his sort of, you know, silly horror is kind of like what he does. And it's just kind of, and I know they want to go kind of a horror route in the MCU, but I'm a little worried. I also don't like that Michael Giacchino isn't going to do the score. Uh, so I'm a little, I'm a little worried, even though I typically do like multiverse stuff. Uh, preview certainly looks good. Um, you know, I'm definitely hoping uh, that the stuff with Wanda really, you know, pays off with what we saw in WandaVision. Um, you know, again, that that's something where I, I don't want it to be quick and easy. I don't want her to just be like, snap, we found a way to remake reality and you have your family back and it's all well and good. Like, I, I kind of want Wanda to become the villain. You know, and so I'm still hoping we go, you know, more. So she read the dark hold for goodness sake that you can't come away from that unscathed. Right. Uh, so, so I'm really hoping we don't go like, you know, Disney happy ending at the end uh, with that. Um, but, you know, hopefully because WandaVision totally didn't do that. And so I was happy with that. And I'm hoping we, you know, we, we keep going the course with this. But yeah, and then there's all, of course, all the cameos people are saying are going to be in that movie, whether or not they actually have like, you know, people are saying Hugh Jackman will is going to be there because again dr strange is going through the multiverse so god knows what could show up <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see what they actually pull in probably not mephisto sorry mephisto <laughs> fans <laughs> but uh but yeah so we'll, we'll just see what happens i i just really would rather just have the culmination of mordo's story um, cause I was very intrigued by the way the first Dr. Strange ended, but I think we might be kind of segueing in this one where Mordo is going to be there, but he's really going to be fighting something else. Um, so yeah, we'll, we'll just have to see with that, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm curious, but I'm a little trepidatious, uh, with Dr. Strange, but, uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, we've been talking about this movie for a really long time. Uh, I think uh, we've talked about it as much as we can, though, uh, for an episode. So now it's time to say goodbyes and let people know where they can find you. If you have something you want to shout out right at the end, uh, that's fine, too. But, uh, yeah, let's start with uh, with you, Angie. Uh, yeah, good. Goodbye. Thanks for having me back. Uh, if you want to pick a fight about an adaptation of something, I will fight you about it. So... <laughs> uh, actually i think we should do an episode about adaptations where i can fight everybody but okay um, but but wouldn't we need everyone to have seen all the same things to be able to have like a discussion or are we gonna have it so vague that it's just about the concept of, of adaptations? adaptations yeah because i'm sick of gatekeeping nerds honestly i am and not that i have never been one but i'm sick of them now so yeah i'd, I'd talk about just adaptations in general okay <laughs> I think it changes based on the circumstances, though, doesn't it? I don't think. No, to me, honestly, I'm just tell me a good story. Tell me a good story and I don't care. But right. Um, right. But sometimes they're not <laughs> so that it changes. So it's like this is a bad adaptation <laughs> and it's a bad story. So I'm going to pick it apart because it doesn't, got, you know, do anything good with the source material. <laughs> 
which is different from something which diverges from the source material and is a good story. Just because something came first doesn't mean it's better. (laughs) Right. No, I agree with that. I'm just saying, though, that my tendency to pick something apart based on the source material is directly correlated with how good the new material is. Do you want to fight about something? Like, what? This is not about. I don't. Is there something you want to fight with me about? No, no. I'm just saying. Like, I, for instance, I can absolutely love uh, Casino Royale, which is an adaptation of a James Bond novel, even though it diverges in quite a few places. But then, you know, I might hate something else. I mean, nothing's coming to mind, but I might hate something else because it's it's a bad story. And so then I'll pick it apart based on why you know how it's different from the source material. Yeah, but that that's not. That's not exclusive to adaptations. If it's a good story, it's a good story. Right, but it's just, it gives me a reason for why I hated it. So Um, (laughs) it gives me another level that I can go to. Um, But yeah, fighting with you. I'm playing with you. I mean, that is true. (laughs) That is truly how I feel, but I am also playing with you. Um, Yeah. Other than that, no, I'm like, I'm moving across the country. So I'm, I'm even more invisible than usual. All right, Ryan. Uh, yeah, I real quick. I just think adaptations are <laughs> sorry, but no, it's really. I think people get mad at adaptations because if, even if they're good or bad, they rob nerds of their power of knowing what's going to happen next. Gatekeeping, then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. I'm That's done exactly with what it is. I mean, but that being said, um, I also looked it up, Nathan, and mm-hmm. Megan Fox is 35, so yeah, she can play Aunt May, sure, why not? <laughs> I mean, I've definitely seen people who are aunts and uncles that, you know, of, of teenage, exactly. of teenagers exactly. at 35. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's you know, possible. But by, by the time they get around to recasting Aunt May again, she'll be like 42 or something like that. <laughs> <Right>. so, <you laughs> <know>. <laughs> It'll be fine. You know? um, otherwise, uh, yeah, internet. I mean, as mentioned, you can see the most recent and, uh, you know, current content that I have regarding the upcoming first season of The Mandalorian on my website, um, <laughs> geekstranger.com. <laughs> Which was going to be article two of three. Hey, you know what? Two of three is not bad. <laughs> still waiting for that three of three, Ryan. Uh, yeah. Which honestly, I could still do because three of three was about the upcoming Obi-Wan series. So, you know, I have time. I can get that one in under the wire. <laughs> but uh, All right, yeah Jeff. Oh, otherwise i'm um, so no worries facebook or you know whatever the usual places you know all right jess all right i would totally be down for this adaptation discussion i'm just saying <laughs> i think that would be fun let's make that happen um but you can find me on the tomorrow's legends podcast where we talk about legends of tomorrow uh superman and lois and star girl focusing on cw stuff um other than that, I'm just sort of around trying to uh, cope with a few hours of sleep at a time till my baby starts sleeping through the night. So thanks for having me, as always. Oh, it's always good to have you, Jess. And, uh, and Mike, say goodbye and let people know where they can find you. It's good to be here, Nathan. Thank you so much, as always. You can find me as part of the Earth Station One podcast, which is a weekly podcast where we talk about all things geek. And we have a lot of stuff already coming for us in 2022. We're already scheduled out already to midsummer. So we are pretty much planned for, you know, talking about all the new movies, all the new shows starting in 2022. First show is going to be, of course, 2021 in the geek seat. And then we're going to go from there and talk about Hawkeye and 
Death on the Nile, I know, is coming up. And, you know, we have quite a few different uh, movie reviews. We also have some good sci-fi topics. And, you know, it's always just great to just talk about all things geek. But you can also find me on Earth Station Who, which is the Doctor Who podcast. And we get to talk about, you know, Doctor Who at its best and its worst. And with Chris Chipnell still in charge, it's at its worst right now, folks. No if, let's, or buts about it. But you know what? It's a lot of fun. Jody is kicking butt as the doctor. It's going to be sad to be saying avu to her in October. But you know what? Until then, we're going to have a lot of fun talking about older Doctor Who, newer Doctor Who, and just looking at different topics. It's pretty cool. You can find each one of those shows as part of the ESO Network. Um, which is esonetwork.com. We're up on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Even my shows are there. So it's pretty darn cool. And of course, you know what? You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, and you know any other kind of social media. We're even up on LinkedIn, can you believe that? It's pretty cool. You know, we can almost look professional there for a little bit, you know, if we look smiling and everything. So definitely check out the ESO Network, which Nathan is a proud member of. And a great member of the ESO network, and we're very happy to have him as part of it. And you know what? It's been a lot of fun talking to each one of you guys tonight. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thank you, Mike, for being on the show. And Angie, Ryan, and Jess, thank you for joining us this week. Thank you. And that's it for Spider-Man Far From Home. Of course, there's been a few other MCU releases since then, and we'll be getting to those in the coming months, and we will be caught back up by the end of the year. I just wanted to get to releasing Loki and What If before we talked about No Way Home because a lot of our conversation in No Way Home is about those two shows. So we got caught up. So now we're going to release the Marvel movie podcast that we've had. But let us know what you thought about it. Did you like our comments? Do you want us to cover different things than we've been covering? Do you like our guests? Are there certain people you'd like to hear more from? You can let me know all of that in a variety of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our Facebook at facebook.com slash 42cast, or you can give us messages on either Twitter or Instagram at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. With Apple Podcasts, it's very valuable to get the feedback because then when we have more feedback, we show up on searches more and Apple Podcasts' own algorithms will promote us more. So we'd definitely appreciate if you have an Apple account, if you would go in and leave us a review. I also want to mention the ESO Network Patreon. That's a place where you can go that helps all the shows on the network. You can look at the different tiers that are offered at patreon.com slash ESO network. If any of them meet your budget and if any of the perks meet with what you would like to have more of, then we would greatly appreciate it if you would contribute. You can find me on two other podcasts. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't need to buy the episodes because we explain everything important that happens in them. So if you just want to follow us for our banter, and just learn a little bit more about Classic Who, you can do it that way. We know it's expensive purchasing all of that stuff, so that's definitely an option for you. But if you either already have those stories, or if you have access to them through BritBox, or you have the DVDs, or whatever, definitely that will help or enhance the experience, I think. So definitely give Time Streams a shot if that sounds interesting to you. Another one is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Joe, Ashley, and Corey, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. That's all the comics, novels, TV shows, movies, 
anything that takes place within the Star Wars universe. We're not counting things that are documentaries or fanzines or anything like that. That's nonfiction about the making of Star Wars. This is just the stuff in the Star Wars universe. We're going through it chronologically. We're telling you not only how good these stories are, but then we'll also talk about it in the context of the expanding awareness of Star Wars as a franchise and how the understanding of what, how the Star Wars universe works and what, how, you know, what kind of characters are in it, stuff like that, how all that evolves. So it's a discussion of canon, continuity, Star Wars, you know, all of that kind of stuff. So if that sounds interesting, check out Legendary Forces. Beth and I have finished The Umbrella Academy Season 3 recently also finished Miss Marvel and are on Star Trek Strange New Worlds right now. Definitely enjoyed the Umbrella Academy season three, but I didn't like it as much as I liked the first two seasons. Miss Marvel, you'll just have to wait until you listen to our Miss Marvel episode to get the 411 on that. I'm liking Strange New Worlds so far, but we're only two episodes in, so... (laughs) We'll see how we'll see how it goes, but yeah, I expect to like that one. And oh, we finished the Orville recently as well, and of course we'll do an episode on that. But Orville definitely changed the most, I think, this season of any series, and that's both good and bad. And that's another one that uh, check out our episode on the Orville when that comes out uh, to see what we thought of that one. In con news, it's still just Chicago Tardis for me. I have no plans to do any other cons. We'll definitely check out C two E two next year. They're moving back to where they're going to be starting March 31st. So that will be much earlier in the year. There's enough distance between that and Fan Expo that I might do both cons if there are guests at both cons that I really want to meet. But yeah, probably going to do Fan Expo again next year, which has moved into the August slot where it normally is. And we'll definitely check out C2E2 to see what they've got. And if they are going to have some great guests, then I will be there as well. But we'll do Chicago TARDIS this year and definitely next year as well and as many years as they want to do it. So if you are at any of those cons and you know that I'm going to be there, just let me know and I would love to meet you. And that is a wrap for this week. Join us back next week when Roger Corman will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42Cast, copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.